Testing one, two. Testing one, two. Testing one, two, three, and we are a go. Another episode of the Lonely Heart Sports Podcast coming live at you. We've got a good amount for you to talk about today. Um, it's another wild week in the National Football League. Um, we're also going to touch base on some hockey as well, with news coming out of there in the National Hockey League. We're also just we're we're also just going to talk a little bit. I'm going to talk a little bit about baseball because the World Series ended yesterday. Um, so we're just pretty much going to take it as we go along for the most part. Like I said, I know we've got some football talk. We're going to talk some, uh, we're going to talk some hockey. Oh, we're going to talk about the college football uh, rankings as well. And we're also going to bring back the weekly wager segment. Although one of us did not do so well with that. Um, uh, uh, one of us has, and you didn't do so well. I, I was pretty, I was pretty hot on my predictions. I was not. Um, uh, Bengals minus ten and a half. I, I, who the fuck knew that Mike White was going to ball out like that? I mean, I, you know, he couldn't do that against the Patriots when he uh, when he came in for Zach Wilson, but yet apparently against the Bengals, he, you know, well, I'll blame the Bengals. I'm not going to blame anybody. Like I'll blame the Bengals. I'm not going to do anything else there. We're going to get into him though, because I got some questions about him for you. Just if you were in a manager position, in a manager position, fair enough, but. Let's roll right along into our, you know, weekly discussion about the NFL. That's where we'll start off with today's podcast episode. And speaking of the Bengals, I just want to go into the state of the AFC North division because it is a complete fucking train wreck, if you ask me. Okay. One week, the Ravens are on top. The next week, the, the Bengals are on top. Now the Ravens are on top again because the Bengals lost and the Ravens had a bye. The Steelers were kind of out and dead in the water a little bit in the division. Now they find themselves in contention, not only for a playoff spot, for the, but for the division. And then the Browns are just a complete fucking shit show because of Baker Mayfield's injuries, his uh, his playing as of late. The Odell um, Beckham saga. The Odell Beckham Jr. saga that continues to roll out as the days go along and also various other problems as well. But we'll start off. With the winners of week eight, in my opinion, they didn't even play the Baltimore Ravens. They find themselves atop the division. And honestly, I don't really I can't really say anything much about them other than the fact they're top of the division again without having to play a game. Um, so other than that, I mean, they pretty much just control their other than that, they pretty much just control their own destiny. Like they all they literally just need to just continue to find ways to win games. Um, I don't, I can't really say anything other than the fact that, Hey, just go out there, play football, win because they didn't play this week, but because of everything that transpired in that division, that's why I say like, Hey, this is their division to lose because we knew I, we knew all along that the Ravens were going to be fine, even though they had their plethora of injuries, but we'll see it as that goes along there. So we're going to move on to the Cincinnati Bengals who go into Baltimore. They Bitch slap them. They're top of the division, top of the AFC, and then they go to the Jets. They play the Jets. One win, New York Jets team. 
backup quarterback playing against them because Zach Wilson is out for at least two was uh, is out for at least three to four weeks given the injury he sustained against the Patriots and the Bengals completely bungle it and lose to a backup quarterback who was making his first career start from what I, I think. And well, it was a very entertaining game, but the Bungles just completely fall apart, fell off the rail. They, they fall to second in the division. Sir, I'll have you take it away. Thoughts on the Bengals. Um, so I am, I'm just confused. I will, I want to, I will talk about the Bengals, but I'm just confused about the state of the New York Jets because the Jets really do have two quality wins this season against two of the top teams in the AFC. I mean, they beat the Titans and now they go and beat the Cincinnati Bengals. So I'm just confused at this team. It's like, could this team possibly be good? Are these two fluke wins for them? Where clearly, like last week, um, I get it was kind of like at the point in the season where they came and played the Bengals, where it was time for like one of those big upsets you see throughout the season, where like okay, the Jets beat the Bengals, where the Bengals were top of the AFC North, the Bengals looked like they were flying high. That Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, LSU connection just seemed to be working for that team, and the Jets come in and just they, I mean, uh, the uh, the the quite a perfect game. Yeah, they they just played a perfect game, and I mean, I just don't know what like I don't know what to say about this team because I mean, Mike White it was his first start in the NFL. He threw for correct. It was his first start, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. It was from what I know there. Yeah, I've I know, never heard I know that he lost he lost a backup job to someone a couple of years ago. So I know he's been in the league a couple of years, but he throws for 405 yards, throws three touchdowns and only two interceptions in his first start. I mean, I so I I'm just confused as to what this Jets team is. Whether are they possibly good, just like a sneaky good team? I granted, I get they are two and five, so it's, I can't call them sneaky good. But I, I don't know if they're like a competitive team because I mean they were just blown up by the Patriots in the week past. But I mean I'm I just because I don't really want to chalk this game up to the Cincinnati Bengals being a bad team. Because based, they're not, it's just yeah, a bad exactly loss. based on the quality. Like based, I mean, you look at them; they blow out the Ravens, they beat the Steelers, who are like third in their division, who are clearly people thought the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be a lot worse than they have been playing as. Um, they lost to the Packers in overtime because of some uh, some of the worst kicking we've ever seen. But I just don't know. Like I, I don't want to throw too much onto this game. If I'm a Bengals fan, I am not worried about the rest of the season based just based on this loss, just because, I mean, we've seen the Jets beat the Titans already, which is the Titans are the best team in the AFC right now, uh, minus the Ravens, I guess you could say. I mean, it's a coin flip between those two. But um, I'm not – if I'm a Bengals fan, I am not worried at all, to be honest. Um, I mean, if you got Joe Burrow under center, center – I wouldn't be worried at all. Um, I don't know how you feel about it, but this is my personal opinion. It's just, it, it's just NFL is a week by week basis, and it's a game by game. happen. Yeah, it, exactly. Like you, you see these weird losses happen all the time. So if I'm a Bengals fan right now, I'm not completely worried. Now, if the Bengals say go one, one and one and two in their next three weeks, considering they have the Browns 
Raiders and Steelers. If the Bengals go one and two, then I would start to worry. But right now with how this team has been playing throughout the start of the season, um, I am not too worried about this loss. It's just a, it's just one of those losses that had, like we see in the NFL every year, where like how, like you look back at a playoff team, you're like, how did they lose to them? To me that this was one of those games. Um, but I also do think the Jets are just, I think the Jets, I know they're in clearly, I'm a Bills fan. If you haven't been able to tell by the podcast, um, I think the Jets are a, a competitive team. I just think Zach, I, I, I get it's really early to say whatever. I just don't think Zach Wilson's their guy, and they don't really have the weapons on offense. But I do not think that Jets' defense is, at, like, terrible. I, I, The Jets have one of – I wouldn't say a better defense in the league, but they have a good defense for, like, being a worse team in the league. That's how I would put it. And that's what, where I stand on that. If I'm a Bengals fan, I'm not too worried. And if I'm a Jets fan – I can see where the future is going with the team because their defense isn't horrible. Yeah, so let's I'll talk about the game for a little bit there because the thing is though is like the Jets aren't good, but they're not terrible. Like the Jets under Adam Gase and even the Jets like under like Rex the later the la- the late the latter part of Rex Ryan's tenure as head coach or whatever, you know. But the thing is though is like yeah, Bad losses happen in the NFL, okay? I mean, okay, and bad losses in the NFL happen. We talk about them all the time on the podcast. If a good, if a supposedly good team gets upset, we call them frauds. I mean, we had the we had the New Orleans Saints. I'll take the New Orleans Saints for example. Okay, they steamroll the Packers in Week One. They lose to the Giants in overtime, and then they beat the Bucks. So I can't call them frauds anymore, uh, even though my, even though me as a Giants fan say, Hey, we, you're one of, you're one of the opponents we beat one of our two wins. So it happened. It, it, it happens on a week to week basis that some upsets can happen in the NFL. The Jets just played a perfect game. Um, I don't want to go into too much about the Jets saying that though, but they played a perfect game. They're a young team. Well, a young like it's a team that's just getting used to like a new coaching system because that topsy turvy shit show of an organization they they just have too much turnover so they're they're hopefully getting used to it they're getting used to another system and they've been able to pull out two wins for it under uh two wins for it and who knows where they'll go for the rest of the season but obviously that's a team that's planning for the future the bengals on the other hand you're right about the Jets defense. They play the Jets defense, especially played a good game uh, in terms of that. I, I mean, like I was just baffled. Like on last week on the podcast, I'll admit it. I said Bengals 10 minus 10 and a half easy money. Okay. If you are in the Cincinnati or New York, New Jersey area, do something else with your Sunday. I said, go for a walk, go do, go to a Halloween party, start your early Christmas shopping, all that jazz. And I turned out to be wrong. It turned out to be probably one of the better games of the week, if you ask me, just based on the overall competitiveness of it. So maybe I should just pull reverse psychology um, uh, every time I talk now on this podcast, because every time, as of late, some of my takes are really good. Some of my takes are really, really shit. But the Bengals, you're right about the Bengals. I shouldn't be too worried about them if I was a Bengals fan. 
if they do start to go on a skid a little bit, then I'd start to get worried. But the thing is, though, about the Bengals is that they aren't supposed to be here. They are, everybody thought, including us, we thought the Bengals were going to be the bottom feeders of the division, which is not true this year. They're surprising everybody, including themselves. And if they say that they're not surprising themselves, they're lying to your face because they all, we all know that the Cincinnati Bengals are supposed to be last in the North, in the AFC North. This is but, exactly why it, the point you bring up is all, the, all everyone, including me and you, thought this team was going to be bottom figure, feeders of their division. And where they're sitting right now, this is the exact reason I am not worried about this team at all. I mean, they have genuine, like, quality wins this season. If you look at their schedule, they have genuine quality wins. And yes, no they one thought beat they the Ravens going, in Baltimore, yes. Yeah, they and beat they the also... Ravens in Baltimore. They beat the Steelers. They took the Packers to overtime. I get it's a loss, but they also beat the Vikings in the season opener where I genuinely think I said the this Vikings on last are not podcast. A... I think the Vikings are actually like they're not a great team, but they're gonna be a playoff team out of the NFC. The Vikings so, are a good football team. They're stuck in that foot, they're stuck in purgatory for the most part. They're good enough to make the playoffs, but they're not, but they're bad, but they're bad enough where they just make the playoffs and they can't go further than maybe one playoff game. Exactly. Which does suck, but this is the reason, like I'm telling the Bengals fans, if there's any Bengals fans listening to this podcast, do not worry about this team. Do not worry about that loss to the Jets. It's just a little bump in the road because I genuinely feel this Bengals team is good enough to beat to beat any team on every given Sunday. And I mean we just seen this the Jets beating the Bengals. The NFL is a week to week league, but I genuinely do think this Bengals team has enough to do if they're often all they need is their offensive line to step up their production just a little bit. And I will consider this team if they can build an offensive line in this upcoming offseason, they're a genuine Super Bowl contender. Oh I mean, I agree with, I mean, I wouldn't say a genuine Super Bowl contender, but I think they can be like a dark horse, kind of like make a sneaky play, sneaky good run in the playoffs. If they, if they make the playoffs and get everything together and, and work out for them, I still think it comes down to coaching a, a little bit. I mean, Zach Taylor, like, I'm Zach Taylor, not a ter is like not a terrible head coach, but he's not a great head coach either. But the thing is, though, is whatever buttons he's pushing with Burrow, Chase, Mixon, the defense, everything seems to be like, you know, going at a decent rate for them in the most part. So I can't really complain about that there. Like you said, it's just up to the offensive line, whether or not they can stay steady and hold um, and actually like hold together, not like actually commit holding in the league, because that would be penalties galore in the football league obviously but another thing too is like with the Bengals like like you said they shouldn't have to worry everything should be fine for them in terms of that I mean the Jets beat the Titans exactly and then they beat the Bills the Titans beat the Bills that is and then the Titans ended up kicking the shit out of the Kansas City Chiefs and so from the looks of it the looks of it if we're looking at it just from an outside perspective we're looking at the, the Jets are the best team in the AFC, basically. Basically, because the Jets beat the Titans, the Titans beat the Bills, the Bills beat the Steelers, and the Steelers beat, like, you know, it's just like that. Exactly. It's, just, it's just, this is why, if I'm a Cincinnati, I'm not worried, because any team, all, I, I get this as an old take that everyone likes to say, but all these players are paid to play football. 
at the end of the day, the, all of these kids on these teams were best players at their college or high school at some point. So like when a team, when there's an upset, yes, it's an upset, but you don't have to worry about it unless your team is not winning any games, uh, AKA the Detroit lions. Yeah. Ex- we're not going to go into that team. I, no, will not I, I don't want to either. I do I not, not want to them either. We'll talk. We'll talk about them before Thanksgiving. What if the one of Thanksgiving approaches in two weeks? I do. I do have one take on them. Um, not anything deep. They are the best zero win team in NFL history. That is what I have to say on them. They're the best zero win team in NFL history. No, this Lions team is worse than when they went zero sixteen. But we're done with the Lions. They're, yeah, they're, they're done with. I don't want to talk about them at all. They're terrible. But I, they're but my, just, just, I think both of our points are here. Or what we're talking about is, if I'm a Bengals fan, do not put too much into this loss that you just don't had against the New York I still think you guys are a playoff team, and you guys are still competitors in your guys' division. I genuinely think that you guys could still win your division. It's between you and the Ravens. I agree, pretty much. But I made my points about the Bengals. But the thing is, though, is that there are two other teams in this division. One team that everybody thought would be competing for the division, and they're kind of like a, a wild card, like still kind of in a division hunt team. And then the other one is just completely rolling downhill towards a pile of shit, doom and gloom galore. Can we get into them first? You want to go into the Browns before we go into the Steelers? Yeah, let's get into the Browns first because I, have, right. I have my take. Let's get into the Browns. Yeah, no, they are a complete dumpster fire of an organization. The Browns are still the – they are still the Browns, in my opinion. And because, yeah, they had – they look like they had promise uh, the past couple of seasons. They made the playoffs last season, beating the Steelers in a playoff game and – came within literally points of going to the a uh, literally two plays within go within two plays of going to the AFC championship game. Um, but the thing is though, is that this season's Browns compared to last season, they're a completely different team. Um, I, I couldn't tell you if it's because of Kevin Stefanski's coaching abilities and his leadership or lack of leadership, whether or not it's Baker Mayfield's lack of quarterback and court ability to play quarterback because of either injury or lack of game management. I don't know if it's the fact that Jar- uh, his playmakers like Austin Hooper, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, they can't, uh, they, like, they're, they're unable to catch the ball. Or in Odell Beckham Jr.'s case, he's unable to get the ball because they don't throw in his direction. Um, I know exactly what the problem is with this team. I've been critical, critical of him before. Um, in the prior podcast I had done, um, before the Lonely Heart Sports Podcast, I have always been critical of him, but Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is a problem with that Cleveland Browns team. Yes, they took him first overall in the draft. And guess what? You guys are regretting that decision gratefully right now. And I, I don't get me wrong. I loved Baker Mayfield in college. Do not get me wrong. He was unreal. But he, in the NFL, he just – does not have it. He does not have that um that kind of like I, I I'm gonna sound a little I'm gonna sound a he's little he's not like Joe Burrow who has yeah, exactly. who, yeah, exactly. who doesn't I'm, have the confidence and swagger exactly. to go he's, out every week and be the baddest motherfucker out there. Exactly. He's not he's not the Joe Burrow. He's not the Josh Allen. He's not the he's not the Tom Patrick, Brady. He's not the he's not the Patrick Mahomes. He's not the Patrick Mahomes that everyone thought 
before John, like this is what everyone thought Baker Mayfield was going to be what Josh Allen is now. When Baker Mayfield was drafted, they thought this is how Baker Mayfield was going to be. And that is not how it panned out because, I mean, Cleveland might have one of the best defenses in the league. Cleveland has probably some of the most weapons on offense. Cleveland definitely has the best two running back tandem in the league. And guess what? Who has the ball most of the game is Baker Mayfield. It's finally time to look in the mirror and see Baker isn't our guy. I genuinely am under the impression Baker Mayfield is not getting his extension this summer. And guess what? If he does, Cleveland is doomed for the next three to four years. Cleveland is going to be the same Cleveland Browns team. Everyone has always known to be that right around that 800 team, maybe, well, or 500 team, excuse me, right around that 500 team. I know that's not 500 anymore because of the 17 game schedule or whatever, but they're going to be sitting right around there. If Baker Mayfield is this team's quarterback. And that is where everything draws on to me. It's just, he just, you have Odell Beckham Jr. Who, when he was in the New York Giants, I, I, sorry, I know this is your team, but the New York Giants are not a good, they haven't been a good football team for years. And he looked like a superstar wide receiver while he was at that team. There's no need to apologize because he was a stud on a garbage team. Exactly. He goes to a team team who everyone thought had promised, and all of a sudden he can't do anything. And if you look at it, if you generally watch the games, it's because their quarterback is, he is scared to take chances. He's not, like you look at Patrick Mahomes, you look at Josh Allen, you look at Aaron Rodgers. If they don't have the play they want, they're going to extend the play. If Baker Mayfield doesn't have the play he wants, he doesn't know what he wants to do with the ball. Same thing with Tua Tagovailoa. They're very set on like their game plan, and if their game plan goes to shit, they don't know what to do. I mean, you're not you're not wrong there. You're not wrong in all honesty. I mean, the thing is, though, is like, yeah, Baker Mayfield is not going to be that superstar quarterback. Baker Mayfield is more of a game manager quarterback. Because that's how he was when he was at Oklahoma. So Cleveland, with what they were thinking here with the process that they have had for the past few seasons, was build around a quarterback that can be a game manager. So you get Jarvis Landry. You get Odell Beckham Jr. You build on that defense. You get the best running back tandem in the league. One healthy, of course. Okay, and then you get a guy like Baker Mayfield in there at quarterback who can get the job done. Okay, you who can get the job done there. Okay, it's kind of like I don't want I I don't know like what Joe I'm gonna you know what actually I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this it's kind of like Joe Joe Flacco I'll say when the Ravens won the Super Bowl in 2012 they had they had good wideouts. They had a good running game, and they had a great defense. It was an aging defense, but it was still a top defense. I think Joe Flacco is a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield, though. Okay, but the thing is, though, is what I'm saying is they had a game manager quarterback. Okay, okay. I I, I have just a little point off of that is I don't even think at this point Baker Mayfield is – because Joe Flacco – like so when you talk about game manager quarterbacks – Sometimes there is very great game manager quarterbacks. I mean, look at Tom Brady. He's been doing that for his whole career. He's a game manager quarterback. Joe Flacco, when he was with the Ravens, he was a game manager quarterback, and they found a way to win games. 
Baker Mayfield is a game manager quarterback that can't win games because he can't make the plays when needed. Because he can't make the plays when needed. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to get at. He kind of reminds me of Joe Flacco but with the game managing style, but at the same time, is like he makes the wrong decisions, unlike the great game manager quarterbacks, like unlike good great manager quarterbacks. You know, Brady, right. game manager quarterback. He's like, done I, it for this year. I hate when people talk about game managing quarterbacks being as a bad thing. Because I mean, you've seen, you seen great game managing quarterbacks who just know what they need to do to win games. Whereas Baker Mayfield, yes, he is a game managing quarterback because he he will not go off script, and that's why I call him. That is the reason I call him a game managing quarterback is because he won't go off script. But when he when he tries to go off script, he doesn't make the right decisions. Whereas no. whereas we we talk about the Joe Flacco and the Tom Brady, where is when they had to go off script, they could make the correct decisions. Exactly. They could. They definitely could. I mean, look at what Brady's been doing in Tampa for, I mean, for, for this season, barring a couple losses. But no, the Browns have problems. It starts with their quarterback. I also think it extends to the coaching staff, too, because I think Stefanski, like, look, I, I still think Stefanski probably isn't the guy at coaching, if you ask me. I, I disagree. Well, I disagree. That's the only thing I disagree with, but I probably will agree with everything you are about to say, so continue. Well, my thing is, is I look back at that playoff game that the Browns won, and they won without Kevin Stefanski get head coach. He was, in the, he was sitting in his fucking basement with his COVID protocols, and the, Browns won, and the Browns played that game exceptionally well. He comes back, and they lose, so, and they lost to Kansas City. So that's all I'm going to say about that. I, Maybe he, maybe he's not, maybe he's not part of the problem. Maybe he is. I think he is a little bit about a little bit of the problem because he's the one calling the plays there. Baker Mayfield. I, okay, I see that. Baker Mayfield is definitely part of the problem too, in terms of his decision making at quarterback because he has what he has, he has options and he chooses the wrong option on the field a, a good amount of the time. Another problem, and I'm going to go to this game against the Steelers that they just played. The offensive weapons just don't show up when they need to. How many drop passes? Jarvis Landry had three or four drop passes against the Steelers. Austin Hooper dropped a couple of passes. Yeah, Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt. I, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna discredit Kareem Hunt because he wasn't play, He hasn't been playing for the past few weeks, and Nick Chubb isn't healthy either. So, I'll, so the running game hasn't been healthy. The the injuries have been piling up a little bit. Odell hasn't been healthy the entire season. He came back from a torn ACL in week three. When he is out there, he doesn't look healthy. Um, another thing too is is that the chemistry between Baker, Odell, and even maybe the coaching staff and Odell is terrible, which is why they sent him home from practice today and told him he's practically not on the team anymore. So he's probably going to get released if not. Uh, well, he probably can't get released like today, this week, because games are going to start. Although he probably could, but they'll probably wait until after this week, after week nine is over, and potentially release him, or they'll keep him in purgatory and just do nothing with him. But if they do that, they still technically well, actually no, they they still technically have to pay him. So whether or not whether or not what they do with Odell Beckham Jr. is neither here or there, that's their decision. Um, so there's a it's a combination of factors there of why the Browns are just like terrible this year. Yes, the main problem is the quarterback because he has not improved. He's at, he's actually regressed from last season. He definitely has regressed. The offensive weapons, like when you take a look at 
at them outside of Nick Chubb. If you had the Cleveland Browns, this Cleveland Browns team five years, say four or five years ago with Baker Mayfield at quarterback, fuck, they're super, fuck, they're Super Bowl contenders. I disagree. I disagree. Five years ago with who you have? Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., Austin Hooper, Kareem Hunt. This team, my five team. years ago, that team five years ago together with Baker Mayfield at quarterback, they'd actually make him look good. That's I, why I, I disagree. That. I disagree because look at this team before everything came into play. When the when Stephen, when Kevin Stefanski came into play, they finally made the playoffs. This is why I think Kevin Stefanski is a is a good re, is a good part for this team because this team before, I mean, look at they drafted Johnny Manziel. And everyone thought that was the next saving grace. And I mean, I mean, that's everyone, up in management, though. Ex- exactly, but that's what I'm. Okay, I get that. What I'm saying is possibly I take put Johnny Manziel in this offense. Maybe they're better. I just think Kevin because I think I generally do think Kevin Stefanski took a Browns team who haven't made the playoffs in what? What was it like twenty? No, it was how many years was it they didn't make playoffs? Um, shorter than the Bills. I know that. I'd say yeah, maybe about. I think it was twenty. I know because the Bills didn't make it in twenty-five years. No, the Bills didn't win a playoff game in twenty-five years. The Bill, the Browns hadn't won a playoff game in twenty-five years either. But they that's hadn't. Okay. Made that's, that's that's what I'm thinking of. But still, I I think Kevin Stefanski is a great coach for this Browns team, and I think the reason they are so reluctant on offense and always wanting to hand the ball off is because they do not trust Baker Mayfield. I think if you give Kevin Stefanski, say, say that year they draft Josh Allen first overall or they draft Lamar Jackson first overall, this team is so much different. I, I genuinely think if they just picked a different quarterback, and, I mean, clearly we have seen Sam Darnold not show his potential – and we've seen that his regression, and clearly everyone was talking about Josh Rosen in that draft as well, who Josh Rosen is now basically just a backup for any team in the NFL. I think if Stefanski, if that Browns team takes either Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson, I think we're all, we're constantly talking about this team right now as Super Bowl contenders just based on the fact that they have a great defense, they have great weapons there, and they have a great running game. And then they would have, if they had Lamar or Josh Allen, they'd have a great quarterback. And Kevin Stefanski took a all right quarterback and made him win a playoff game. Or well, you like you said, he wasn't there for the playoff game, but guess what? He got them to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you're not like I said, I'm not I think he's part of the problem a little bit. He's not complete Stefanski's not the problem wholeheartedly. I only think he's part of the problem because there's a lack of chemistry between players. And that's on the coaching staff to figure that out and be a coach. Okay. Coaches are supposed to make players work together. Baker Mayfield, like I said, is a problem. Not the main problem, but he is a may. He's not the main problem. Kind of is the main problem, but uh, he's more of a problem than anybody else in this whole collective effort. Um, but the thing is, though, is another thing I think is a problem is the fact that the Odell Beckham Jr. trade that they made with the Giants 
looks like a complete joke because they barely used him and there's no chemistry between any, him ba- and Baker Mayfield. But Ben Baker Mayfield has good chemistry between him and Jar- like between him and Jarvis Landry, between him and Austin Hooper, between him and any like ch- like between him and any other kind of wide receivers or tight ends too. So that's why I say it's kind of on Stefanski to not like actually like you know say hey we need to figure out how to get you you two to work together as he works with everybody else. So that's what I'm saying there because there's clearly um, there's clearly a diff there's clearly some sort of difference between them that they haven't figured out like on the field and nobody knows what it is or why it's happening. But no, the Browns honestly, if they just continue down this down down this spiral, there's no way they make the playoffs this season. I mean, which would be sad because the Browns like at their best are a very exciting team to watch and you actually can't help but to root for them because of everything that they've went through as an organization over the past 25 over the past like 30 years or so in their organization's history but and now with what they have like on paper you think that this team is actually like hey it's it's a pretty fucking good team but like you said, their quarterback situation like definitely could be an underlying factor as to why they're not good. Because going back a couple weeks, and this will be the, probably the last thing I'll say about Baker Mayfield, but he didn't play. Yes, he didn't play the Thursday night game against the Broncos. Case Keenum did, and Case and Keenum has, played a better game than Baker Mayfield could have. Yeah, so that kind of created like the like that was kind of creating a quarterback controversy in the minds of some people. But the thing is, though, is like Baker Mayfield. Everybody thought that Baker Mayfield probably wasn't going to play against the Pittsburgh Steelers, which he ended up doing. So maybe if Case Keenum actually played a better, played against the Steelers, maybe they had a better chance to win than the than under than with Baker Mayfield under center. But the thing is, though, is like what I like, we don't know because obviously the game had already gone past. And here we are on Wednesday, which is three days after the game. So who knows what would have happened? We can't play Monday morning quarterback there. But the thing is, though, is like, we'll just see where time will tell with the Browns because, as you said, it's a week to week. The week the the league goes by on a week to week basis. The Browns could be good one week; they'll be terrible the next. We'll see what happens for their roller coaster season. But I do finally want to move on from the Browns to the opponents that beat them last week. A team that is very very inconsistent throughout the league as well because their offense is like completely inept and un- and actually incapable of actually figuring out what to do. It's almost as if they don't know what like the definition of offense is for the most part but yet their defense like is stellar and their defense is going to carry them as far as they can but somehow the Steelers find themselves in playoff contention even though they have everybody and in division contention when you think about it even though everybody kind of had them dead in the water including myself for the most part but I'll let you take it away on what your thoughts on the Steelers are uh I- Fuck, I, I'm very confused on the Steelers team. Like, I am genuinely just confused. Um, They have beat – so clearly they beat the Bills in week one. 
like I said, week one, you can't take too much. You can't take too much grain of salt to. They lost. This is going to pay me to say, but they lost to three good teams. And one of those teams is the Raiders. And everyone knows who listens to this podcast knows how much I do not like the Raiders. Um, but they lost to the Bengals. They lost to the Packers. So that that is three good teams they lost to right there. But then they also just beat three bad teams in the Broncos, the Seahawks, and the Browns. And clearly, you know, I do not think the Browns are a good team. Um, but I just, I'm just very confused on this team because I thought at for sure after – so clearly they beat the Bills in week one, but that was really depending on the running game with Najee Harris. Um, they go lose three straight. They're one and three. Beat the Broncos, whatever. Beat the Seahawks. The Seahawks are absolutely ter- – I'm pretty sure that's the week that Russell Wilson went out and they lost, They won because Geno Smith doesn't know how to throw a football. And then they beat the Browns 15-10. to 10. This team, in my opinion, is very, very, very dependent on the defense because that defense is unreal. And if this team had a different quarterback other than Ben Roethlisberger, this team would be elite, in my opinion, because, I mean, look at the weapons they have on offense. And you look at that defense and you're like, oh, my God, this team could be great. But then you're like, oh, wait, Big Ben's got to try to throw the ball downfield and try to try to look like an athletic human being when he looks as slow as he has ever been, in my opinion. So, yes, granted, if this team does make playoffs, they are a first round exit, no opinion. But if this team does not make playoffs, I am not surprised by any means, just based on the fact that Big Ben, I, I, I for sure thought the Steelers should have moved on from Big Ben this summer. Be like, okay, we're done with you. But then again, you also, look at, you also look at it from the point as Big Ben has been here for years with us. He's shown us his loyalty. They don't have a plan for him. They yeah. don't have a plan for after him. I mean, yeah. And I mean, because who, who's behind? Isn't it um? Who's be, is it Duck Hodges behind him, or is it still uh? Dwayne Haskins is on the team, I believe. Oh, that's right. You you are very correct. Dwayne Haskins Duck, is the backup there. Duck Hodges hasn't been there for I think a couple years now. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I don't mean I didn't mean to cut you off there, but no, you're no, fine. Th- you're fine. I just, I just, I, I'm happy you did because I'm just very confused on this team because I do think they have an elite defense, but and I think they do have an elite offense if Big Ben wasn't under center. That yeah, is, that is where I stand on this team, and it's just very confused. I get it's very confusing to what I'm saying. Because no, I, I get what you're saying. It's just hard to say because you throw another quarterback in there, like even a sol- say you throw a solid backup on that team that could actually move around in the pocket and actually be a little bit mobile. You throw Case Keenum on that team, they're actually they're actually better yeah. than with him I mean, than Ben Roethlisberger. Give up, give them the Bills backup, Mitch Trubisky. I think this team is probably I would say an eleven to twelve win team. Yeah. You're not wrong there. I actually will agree with you there. So the Pittsburgh Steelers have always been known for two things in terms of their success, defense and running the ball. When the Steelers of the 70s, when the Steelers of the 70s were, were making AFC championship games and winning Super Bowls under Chuck Knoll, yeah, 
They had Terry Bradshaw, Dante Stall, uh, not Dante Stallworth, uh, John Stallworth. I, I don't know why I said Dante. Fuck. But uh, they had Lynn Swan. They had John Stallworth. Um, uh, they had Franco Harris. They had Rocky Blyer. Yeah, okay. Franco Harris and Rocky Blyer were a great running back tandem. But then you also had, but you also had Jack Lambert and um, uh, Jack Ham and Joe Green. You had. Like those were great players of the seventies. Okay, that was, those were great teams altogether. But the thing is, though, is they built themselves around the steel curtain defense that everybody came to know in the seventies, and they also had that group, that great running back tandem as well. So that's what the Pittsburgh Steelers have always prioritized themselves on for the most part. That's how they won. That's how they won six Super Bowls. They won four of them with a dynasty. Under Chuck Knoll, they won. They made two under Cowher. They ended up losing one because Dallas was Dallas was the better team that day in 1996. Also, the fact that um, uh, Pittsburgh. Also, the fact that uh, Pittsburgh's quarterback that they also threw a pit, two uh, interceptions right at uh, Dallas' secondary, um, and then they won. Two, they won a Super Bowl under Cowher based on the based off of their running game and their defense, and they did win their latest Super their, their last Super Bowl on actually on defense actually because James Harrison's hundred yard pick six turned that game around if you ask me. Yeah, it was a back and forth game, but that in my opinion changed momentum for the Steelers. So it's always been based on defense in terms of like how successful their team is. If their defense isn't good, then they're not going to go anywhere. But the thing is though, is like in terms of their running game too. Yeah. They have, they've had good running backs over the years and they've, they haven't, they now have a stud in Najee Harris. They had James Connor. Okay. They had Le'Veon Bell. They had, they had LeGarrette Blunt and Le'Veon Bell and let both of them go. Um, they had over. They had Jerome Bettis, Hall of Famer. They had, like I said, they had going back to the seventies. They had Franco Harris and Rocky Blyer, both Hall of Famers. They've always but, been a solid team. They've always been well for now. On ever since the seventies, they have been. But yeah, but the thing is, though, is for this team to be successful now. Yeah, they need a better quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger because if him under center, he's completely unathletic. He can't throw the ball downfield anymore. And honestly, he should have retired after last season. But the team is not prepared for life after Big Ben. Okay? They don't have a plan. They don't have a backup. They've gone through they've gone through so many backups over the years, it's not even funny. One of their former backups is the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now. Okay? Um... Uh, I don't know where Duck Hodges is in the league anymore. Dwayne Haskins, I'm surprised, is in Pittsburgh because Washington didn't give a shit to give him a chance. What did they do um, with Mason Rudolph? Uh, Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, probably went back up to the North Pole uh, after getting hit in the helmet, getting hit in the head with a helmet by Miles Garrett. But I actually don't. Rem- actually, and all joking aside, I don't know uh, what happened with Mason Rudolph there because he, oh god. That, that one. But yeah, they've gone through so many backups because of that have had to play so many games actually because of how Big Ben's injury history. Like they really, they should, this team actually should have had a quarterback prepared. Like they should have had a plan prepared for the retirement of Ben Roethlisberger. I would say even as far back as maybe three years ago because of his injury history. But obviously, Mike Tomlin and upper management didn't have 
not considered to even think about that for some odd reason that they think that Ben Roethlisberger is still capable of taking them as far as they can, as far as maybe an AFC championship game. But the thing is though, if they make, like you said, if they make the playoffs, they're, they're an AFC wildcard team and they'll lose in the wildcard game. And then they'll have their, uh, if they, then they'll have a tea time early Monday morning, the next, uh, the, the Monday morning after they lose. So, but the thing is though, is like, because of the state state of the AFC North and kind of the whole AFC in general, because everybody's kind of like clumped up together. You've got the, like, you know, five and two, six and two, five and three, four and three, four and four, whatever. And they're all kind of like a game or two back oh, surrounding each other right. for the most part, except for uh, two, three teams. One, but, one, one point you just did bring up, though, is how they just kind of stuck with Big Ben. I'm just shocked like that they haven't. When you said they haven't had a backup for him, I'm just shocked they haven't like just drafted anyone in the past two years to be okay. We're gonna kind of like the Packers with Jordan Love. I get that the Packers probably did that kind of bad. Hey, they'll because, see how Jordan Love because, does on Sunday because where they drafted Jordan Love, like I get it was a different thing, but I'm shocked that the Steelers just haven't drafted a quarterback in say the second, third, maybe even fourth round. And just kind of have him develop under Big Ben so he, they can have like that kind of in tone because you have seen like look at Patrick Mahomes. He sat a year under uh, right behind a um, – I'm blanking on his name. The guy that went to the Redskins and broke his leg, Alex Smith. He sat a year behind under Alex Smith. And you look at what Patrick Mahomes is doing now. I'm just shocked uh, the Steelers – did it take more of that aspect with all of considering they have never been a bad team. They've always had a solid defense. Um, I mean, now you look at, they got Juju Smith-Schuster. They got, <clears throat> excuse me, Najee Harris. They have great weapons on offense and they have a, really a great defense. So I'm just shocked. They haven't tried to progress anything under that just to have a guy kind of build up under big Ben Fro he's gone. Because genuinely, I think after this season, Big Ben is done, and they really have no one coming up through the polls. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just completely insane as to, like, what the Steelers are thinking in terms of Tomlin and the uh, front office because, I don't know, they think somehow they think that Ben can be quarterback forever, whereas, like, Patriots fans thought and the Patriots organization thought that Tom Brady was going to stay there forever in New England forever. But the thing is, though, is like time catches up to you. You have to have you have to have plans for the future in any sport, in any position, on the field, off the field, no matter what. And it always baffles me, like when teams don't have plans for the future, because it's like, hey, you know that this guy is old, like start preparing for life without him, like in the franchise, like you got to prepare for it. okay? It's it, it completely baffles me as to how it just gets completely missed. But the thing is, though, is back to the team. He's doing what 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 I what baffles me here, and what's it's gonna baffle you what I say. But he somehow is still finding a way to do what he needs to do with his unathletic performances as quarterback because 
He's got them in the thick of it at quarterback. He's got them in the thick of it. Yes, mainly it's because of the defense. Because, But he's, as a great game manager quarterback, he's somehow finding ways to win when he needs to. Unlike Baker Mayfield, which is why the Steelers are in third and the Browns are in fourth. The Steelers are in third because they've had bad losses, because they've had bad losses with bad team performances, but yet for their wins, they've had good team performances and he's found a way just to not do anything stupid or or cost them the game in any, or cost the Steelers the game in any situation when they're on offense. So that I find completely, so that I find like, you know, baffling there as crazy as I sound, but I mean, it is what it is there, but, and the, and, you know, I just want to say that the AFC North is just going to be a division, which I will, I have said this time and time again, I think is the most competitive division in football, which is why I, I like talking about it on the podcast, because it's better than talking about, say, I, I say the like, AFC I, East. I was going to say the NFC East, because, but both of well, those both are fucking... Well, actually, the Patriots have come on, but still, yeah. Both, they're both dumpster fire divisions. Um, uh, it's one team and then everybody else. But the thing is, though, is like, this is what you, what you expect with the, uh, with the North as of late, which is great for the league, if you ask me, to have a competitive division like this. It's like the AL East in baseball. You had four teams, uh, you had four teams over, like, four teams over five, way over 500 competing for the playoffs. Three of them made three of them made the postseason. One took the division. The other two men the wild card game. So that's what I see potentially happening in the AFC North. You're going to have the division winner, which probably could be, um, uh, which probably could be a one or two seed, depending on their how they how they fare out the rest of the season. And then you'll have the two two out of three wild card teams. And the thing is, though, it's crazy. Like depending on how the seeding is, you could have an AFC North matchup at some point in the playoffs, depending on like depending on like what results happen here and there. So it's, it's insane. But I mean, that's where I stand. That's where I stand on the North with those teams. I couldn't talk about the Ravens because they didn't play. They found them. They didn't have to play and they're back on top of the division. Yeah. So good for you. Bengals fans. Don't be too scared unless you go on a skid. Browns fans start shitting your pants because you. Who Browns, knows? Yeah, Browns fan. I'm I'm worried you guys are gonna go back into kind of like from what we've purgatory. seen for the past twenty years, where you guys are kind of sucking that quarterback purgatory. But thankfully now you guys actually have a competent defense that can get the games done for you and a competent running game where you are not one hundred percent focused on that quarterback. Exactly. And then the Steelers, you're kind of like in purgatory, kind of like the Vikings we just mentioned. You know, you're not great, but you're not terrible. But yet somehow you'll find a way to make the playoffs. So you don't have to worry too much. Um, and you also don't have to worry about Mike Tomlin leaving for USC because he said he he said never say never, but never. So don't worry there. You're, you're going to you'll be fine just in purgatory. It's all good. But move, I want to move on now to. Another team that we did briefly mention in the AFC. And that team is the Tennessee Titans. And sadly, Derrick Henry is going to be out for the season. He's going to be out six to ten weeks. He's have he had he suffered a broken foot in the la- in their latest game, last game against the Indianapolis Colts. He's gonna have surgery. 
So he won't play for six to ten weeks. Probably going to be the probably going to be more than six weeks, closer to ten. So he definitely will be missing the rest of the regular season. That is. So even though MVP can <laughs> fucking pains me to say this because I had him as MVP candidate, and you know what I said? Unless he gets injured, he's winning MVP. Look what fucking happens. This is your fault, but no, and I'm a Titans fan. I am genuinely worried about this team at this point, just based on the fact that how dominant Derrick Henry has been for that offense. And now you're going to see kind of, you're going to have to kind of look at now what kind of quarterback you have in Ryan Tannehill. And I mean, you've seen what he did in Miami without any run game. So now we get to see what he's going to be like in Tennessee where he, granted, he does have two great weapons in A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Um, and A.J. Brown, ever since he came back from injury and then he like was, like, shitting himself for two weeks. <laughs> That's just a joke. Don't worry. I'm kidding. Um, but, uh, no, you're going to actually get to see what, what kind of offense this team actually is or were they just so reliant on Derrick Henry. So, my thing is, is that I don't think – I don't know to say if the Titans are legitimate Super Bowl contenders still, but the thing is, though, is I should I wouldn't be too worried because of the division they play in, because they they they're making the playoffs. It's just a matter of what seed that they get now, whether they hold on to number one or if they somehow fall as low as four. Because I don't see them, I don't see them not winning the division. I don't. There's no I, way I can make an argument against that. I'm just based on the fact that how the Colts have looked in the past couple weeks. The Colts should have won against the Titans. Carson Wentz completely shit the bet in the second half, which allowed the Titans to actually win the game, which allowed the Titans to actually win that game. Okay. But my thing about the Colt of the Titans is that Jeremy McNichols is not a terrible running back. I mean, he is, he's a yeah he's a good backup to Derrick Henry and we don't see a lot of him in the game but when he's out there he can actually make some plays when needed I mean yeah and they signed Adrian Peterson to their practice squad which I'm ve- I'm questioning very much if you ask me okay I understand that you want an experienced running back who actually who could like get the job done but Adrian Peterson I mean he's old. I mean, I, I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to bash him or anything like that because Adrian Peterson all day himself is probably one of the greatest running backs of all time. Um, a, one of the greatest running backs of all time. And, you know, probably one of the greatest running backs of this generation. Um, but the thing is, though, is what baffles me is that about that move is. And, and you know, this is, I, I don't want to sound like a Todd Gurley stand or anything, but. That man has been out of football for how long now and nobody has even given him one call to even like get, say, hey, we want to work you out. We may need you for the season. That man is only like 25 years old and he hasn't gotten a call. I understand that he may have the knees of an 80-year-old man because they're, t- they're bad. Like he's, ru- he's ran his knees into the ground. But the thing is, though, is... Like, I don't understand, like, why they didn't give him a call. Um, uh, I, I, I mean, I guess I can say I'm glad that they didn't give Frank Gore a call, no matter how good of a running back. Like, Frank Gore was able to do, like, you know, throughout his entire career. 
but I, you know the running back, the running game, like based off of the tandem. Now I do have a question about it, but I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna count out Jeremy McNichols as RB one for the most part. For the most part, there they still do have the defenses. The defense has been improving week by week, um, so I'm not worried about the defense either. But yeah, it's pretty much just gonna come down to whether or not Tannehill can get the job done at quarterback without a running back like Derrick Henry. Because and I don't think it's gonna come down to Tannehill. I think it's gonna come down to whether or not like his offensive weapons can stay healthy in terms of AJ Brown and Julio Jones. But and also if the chemistry can be there as well. Um so I'm not too worried right now. I'm not going to say they're legit Super Bowl contenders any for right now. Uh, right now, based off of this, but we'll see what happens when they play on Sunday and see how they fare, and we can go from there. But I what- do. I do think they probably still win the AFC South. Um, I know I'm kind of riding. I am. I am one of those guys that I'm kind of, kind of biting into the. Okay, maybe Carson Wentz is a good quarterback and can take this team to something. I am kind of taking that on, like, but I also don't know just based on the fact that Tennessee's schedule coming up looks very tough. I mean, they got the Bills and Buccaneers back to back. Then they have to play the Patriots, who I you mean, they pain, they, they, they just beat the Bills. Who? No, I'm I'm talking about the Colts. Oh, the Colts. Okay, I was gonna yeah, say. I'm, like, I'm talking about the Colts. The Colts okay. got the Bills. I mean, the next two games, they got the Jets and Jaguars. Okay, whatever. But then they have the Bills and Buccaneers back-to-back. Then they got the Patriots, Cardinals, and Raiders back-to-back-to-back. Mm-hmm. And then they finish up the season with the Jaguars. And, like, I, I, I hate to bite into it, but I, like, I'm still under the, I'm still under the impression that Carson Wentz can be a good quarterback. And I think I might be looking too much into it. Whereas I shouldn't be because I know Tennessee is six and two right now. So they are well ahead of the field right now. But without Derrick Henry, I just don't know what to do because I have I have seen Ryan Tannehill and because clearly they're in the Bills division. So I've seen him twice a year now for however long he was in the AFC East. And maybe I've seen him for six, five to six years. And he's never impressed me, so I'm just curious to what is going to happen with that team now that they don't have just an absolute probably one, probably the best running back ever under Derrick Henry in that offense. I'm curious to see what he can do, and that is kind of why I'm biting into the possibly Indianapolis can still come back and win this division. No, I mean, you make a good point there. I mean, the Colts haven't played terrible football. It's more along the lines of, like, they're a team of two halves. First, like, one half, they're really good. The next half, they kind of shit the bed. Or if they shit the bed, like, in the first half, and they come out swinging in the second, and they somehow can't find a way to win a game because of it. But the thing is, though, is, like, I don't know. Like you said, the league is – the league is a – the league goes on a week-to-week basis, okay? The Titans are the number one seed in the AFC right now. They can somehow falter, they can somehow falter as the weeks go on. The, the Colts can somehow find a way to, you know, get a winning streak going and find themselves not, obviously, like, not top of the AFC, but, you know, top of their division in the South. But, I mean, like I said, we just have to see what happens there. Um, you know, it's just crazy, like what you've said, th- like it's it's honestly just crazy. Like you know how so much can change because of how honestly how 
both conferences for the most part, like you really think about it, seem actually more competitive than like a lot of people are saying, which is insane, which is, which is kind of crazy when you think about it, because you look at, you look at the standings in both the AFC and the NFC and they're a lot closer for the most part. Well, the AFC is closer for closer than the NFC still, but even in the NFC, like, you know, what, like, You've got some pretty good teams in there, and then the thing is, though, is like the closeness is kind. The closeness is more there than a lot of people realize. So, based off of that, I do want to move on and talk about, like, you know, just kind of pick your brain a little bit as to who you think the top team in the NFC is. I'm gonna sound so biased saying this because clearly everyone knows I'm a Bills fan. But just looking at the schedules between the Bengals, the Ravens, and the Bills, because I think those are the te- the three. I said the NFC. Oh, I said AFC. I'm so sorry. Nope. I, I heard you wrong. All right. So the AFC? NFC. NFC. Yeah, NFC. Sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. If you want to answer the AFC, I'll ask you the AFC. No, no, no. I don't want to answer the AFC. NFC, I it pains me to say. I think it still belongs to the Buccaneers. 100%. I still think it's the Buccaneers division. Um, Green Bay, I just think because they're losing Aaron Rodgers was possibly just – it could even be just this one week. I think those two are the top dogs in the NFC. Possibly even the Rams. But I still think it's the Buccaneers division, barring any injuries. Conference. No, I said the Rams, the Bucks. But you said oh, the Buccaneers. Oh, I said division. I said division. Sorry, the conference. Um, clearly, I would say the top three horses are the Rams, the Bucks, and the Packers. The Packers losing Aaron Rodgers for a week definitely is going to hurt them because I have. I mean, we haven't seen any uh, Jordan Love in the regular season. Um, but in preseason, Jordan Love looked like an absolute train wreck. And I get he's going up against a bad, bad, bad Kansas City defense this week. I, I would have to still give it just to the Bucks, just based on the fact of how they're playing. Um, Arizona that lost to Green Bay last week, I mean, they should not. I mean, especially Green Bay missing two of their starting receivers. Um, I would say it's the Bucks division, but there's just clear, just a top. There's a you can see the top four teams at the division just because the NFC. I do not think as as strong as the AFC. So I would say the top four teams are Arizona, Green Bay, the Rams, and the Buccaneers. In my opinion, um, yes, you'll probably. I think you'll probably agree with me, but I think everyone would also agree with us with us saying those are the top four teams in that in the NFC. Um, I'm actually going to disagree with you here on who the best team in the National Football Conference is, actually. Um, and you're going to be completely baffled as to who I'm going to say. Um, Don't while the I Cowboys. Do, it is the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys are the best team in the NFC, and it fucking pains me to say it, okay? The Dallas Cowboys are the best team in the NFC right now, and I can't believe I'm saying it. Because you're right about like one through one through like one to five right now, 
it's so close, which is why I say the closeness in the NFC is much close is better than a lot of people think. And then even like six is like kind of iffy. But the thing is, though, is like, yeah, seven down there, seven down. They're just fighting for that spot. So in a way, the whole conference is close. It's just not bunched together like the AFC is. But going off of what you said there. Yeah. OK, the Bucks. The Bucs are a great football team. Obviously, the defending Super Bowl champions, they have two losses. They lost to the Rams where the Rams just played the perfect game against them and it ended up biting the Bucs in the ass. Okay? Then the Bucs go into New Orleans last week. They lost not just to the New Orleans Saints. The Saints played a great game as well. The defense actually carried the Saints to their victory. But the thing is, though, they lost to Jameis Winston, who ended up tearing his ACL. Sadly, he's out for the season. But they couldn't figure out how to stop. The Bucks defense couldn't do anything against Trevor Simeon, which scared me. Because the Bucks, like, Trevor Simeon's not a great quarterback. He's not a good quarterback either, if you ask me. He's an average quarterback at best, maybe a little bit below average. But the thing is, though, is, like, he made some key plays when he needed to and the Bucs couldn't find a way to stop him, and the Saints and the Saints defense was able to keep Brady and company in check. When the Bucs were about to, obviously Brady got the ball back, the Saints took the lead. Everybody's like, oh, that's way too much time on the clock for Brady. What happened? Pick six. Game over. Don't but worry about New it. New Orleans, you look at last year, though, and they've had Brady's number in their regular season all the time. Yes, they have. They have. But the thing is, though, is that they had New Orleans. This New that New Orleans team last season in the regular season was better than this team. Okay, they don't have Michael Thomas. Okay, they don't have Michael Thomas. Okay, the receiving core is a little bit is a little bit worse off. They don't have one of the best receivers in the league. Obviously, the situation at quarterback has completely changed. The defense has improved, though, so I will say that. So it's kind of like a catch twenty-two there. The offense is not good; is kind of good, not great at all, not great if you ask me. But the defense is better than last year, so that's my take there. The Rams are a very good football team. Matthew Stafford is get, has the offense where they need to be. Clearly, the trade for Jared, the trade for Stafford, where they gave golf and threw him to send him packing to Detroit has worked so far, so well, so very well so far. Okay. So, and the thing is though, is, you know, the connection once the connection between Stafford and Cooper cup, great connection there. Okay. You also have, um, uh, you also have a good running back tandem in their backfield as well. And don't even get me started on that defense because their defense is all is pretty much an all-pro defense there. It's like a Madden defense that they're building. You've got Aaron Donald, best defense, still probably the best defender in the league, if you ask me. Jalen Ramsey. And the addition who, of Von Miller. And the addition of Von Miller. Yeah, exactly. So their defense is their defense is stellar per usual. McVay's pushing all the right buttons, coaching that team how they should have been coached. They're practically they're practically they're better. This Rams team, in my opinion, is better than the Rams team that made the Super Bowl when they lost to the Patriots back uh, back a couple seasons ago. One hundred percent agreed. One hundred percent agreed. Um, the Arizona Cardinals are a very are, the Arizona Cardinals are a very good football team too. So we all know that it's going to be down. So whoever wins, so I've been a big I've been a big predominant with them though. Is you have to learn to crawl before you learn to walk. 
When I think Arizona, I think I think Arizona, I think Arizona, when they make playoffs, I do think Arizona loses in the first round of playoffs, just based on the fact that they haven't been there yet in so many years. I see. My thing is, is that I still have them as a dark horse for a playoff run. They're a very good football team. Yes, seven and one. Nobody expected the Cardinals to be seven and one. Okay, and once again, I'm going to make my yearly my my weekly call out to your fan base because they were they Bills Mafia was happy that the Cardinals lost because you guys like for some reason the majority of the fans are still mad about a regular season loss that they blew the game in the third quarter in. Uh, in. Um, so, but enough about that because they're all fake fans and they started watching when we were good. That's why they care so much. Exactly. We've made our point there with that. But the Cardinals are a very good football team. Kyler Murray, MVP candidates. DeAndre Hopkins, all-world all wide receiver. Okay, still got some good – you have other good options. Um, A.J. Green, I don't know what the hell he was thinking there. He didn't turn around to look for the ball. He thought it was a run play. He had to think it was a run play. He had to he, have thought it was a running play. Probably had to. He probably thought Murray was going to run it in himself. But the thing is, though, is like, yeah, so, but you still also have Christian Kirk, Rondale Moore, and then you have Chase Edmonds and James Conner in the backfield. Their defense, yeah, their defense is good. Yeah, it pains me to say that I, it, it hurts to see J.J. Watt out for the rest of the season, but they still have Chandler Jones. They still have a good, they still have, a, they still have for the most part, a good secondary. Buda Baker, you know, so they're a very good football team and they're finding ways to win, which is like you, and I'm going to quote you on this, you know, and you've, we've said this many times before in the podcast, it's not how you win, it's how many wins you have. And right now they have seven. They, they have seven. If it wasn't for AJ Green being an idiot, they probably would be eight. No, um, but that's neither here or there. Um, the Green Bay Packers steamrolled by New Orleans in week one. But the thing is, though, is now is they have continued to find ways to win. Um, if it wasn't for the fact that Aaron Rodgers is out for the game against the Kansas City Chiefs, I would say the Packers are the best team in the NFC right now because they continue to find ways to win on offense and on defense. Aaron Rodgers, all-world quarterback, going to go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Devontae Adams, one of the best wide receivers in the league. Aaron Jones, one of the best running backs in the league. Um, the, he, um, the Packers, Alan Lazard has stepped up when he needs to Randall Cobb is back. He's doing what he, Aaron Rodgers wants him to do as well. Matt LaFleur is calling great, is, is calling great, is calling a great game from the coaching standpoint. Um, and I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with Jordan Love against the chiefs. We'll see what happens on Sunday, but my thing is, with Jordan Love, I know I just shit on him saying he wasn't great in preseason, but this kid has had a year and a half to just learn under Aaron Rodgers to what it's like to play regular season and playoff football, and now he's going to have his full team around him. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping kind of like, not I'm not I don't want to say changing of the guard, but he just kind of like saw what Aaron Rodgers has done for the past year and a half. And kind of implement that into his game just to know how everything works. And especially with Devontae Adams, I believe he will be back this week because I think I believe he passed COVID protocol and everything. He did. Um, so he will be back this week. So they'll have a full starting wide receiver core. You still got Aaron Jones in your backfield. So I still think under Jordan Love, I I really hope so because I I do like this Packers team out of the NFC. Um, I have nothing bad to say about this team. 
I really do think they can light up this Chiefs defense just based on the fact that how bad the Chiefs have been this year. Yeah, I agree with you there. I agree with you there wholeheartedly. The Packers honestly probably should not have a problem going up against the Chiefs. And if they do win this week, then maybe then maybe I'll change my opinion. But I, I can't believe I'm saying this. The Dallas fucking Cowboys are the best team in the NFC right now and probably one of the best teams in the NFL overall. I'd say maybe top three team in the NFL right now, which pains me to fucking say, because I don't care whether or not you want to criticize Mike McCarthy on his t- clock management, all the, all that shit that ESPN does. Um, but the Dallas Cowboys are winning football games. And honestly, they would be undefeated if, Gre- if Greg Zerline knew how to kick a fucking ball. Because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, week one, they probably should have beat. Greg Zerline missed, what, two extra, two, two field goals and an extra point or two extra points and a field goal or something like that? The Dallas Cowboys ended up losing by three. And if he made a combination, and if he made those, Greg Zerline made those kicks, they would have ended up winning by two or three themselves, the Cowboys. So, but the thing is, though, is they, Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott is Dak Prescott once again, okay? He is one of the better quarterbacks in the league, one healthy, practically one of the best on his day. Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, they're a great running back tandem. We, The Dallas Cowboys have found out that they don't need to feed Zeke all the time. They can feed, they can feed Zeke when needed, obviously, but when Tony Pollard comes in, he does an f- exceptional job as well, okay? Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, they're doing. They're they are having a. They are having good years out at wide receiver too, and they still have Michael Gallup to come back from injured reserve if he's ever going to come back too. Um, and the defense has improved tenfold compared to last year. I mean, their defense over the past few years was like historically bad. Like we all would laugh at the Cowboys' defense. Like, oh, okay, yeah, you're going to give the Dallas Cowboys game plan is going to be. Oh, score more than we give up because that's how bad our defense is. But this defense right now, I mean, Randy Gregory is having a phenomenal year as a pass rusher. Trayvon Diggs is, it's very weird with Trayvon Diggs right now because people are saying he should be a defensive player of the year candidate because he leads the league in interceptions. But at the same time, like his, he, but at the same time, he's kind of giving up some pretty big he's plays. Been, he's been giving up really big plays. And people – problem is people – a lot of people only will see what they see on ESPN. That is the issue with that. And I agree with 100% with what you just said. Is Yes, he has, what, seven interceptions this season? Eight interceptions already this season? Yeah, he's got more than almost – he's got more than a lot of teams do. Yes, but he also gets beat on so many routes. And that's why – Oh, exactly. That's why teams are still throwing at him to give him those interception chances because he gets beat so much. If you look at his rating with when he's going up against receivers on the plays they have, there's more positive plays than him turning down plays. So my, so my thing there is that, yeah, you're right there. And the thing is, though, is like you said, the networks will continue to beat off the Cowboys for years to come. And they only seem to talk about the bad. They don't talk about the good for the most part because, well, bad publicity is still good publicity. But the thing is, though, is once again, the Cowboys are finding ways to win. I'm going to go back to Sunday night. Dak Prescott not starting came as a shock to me. I'm pretty sure it came as a shock to everybody because everybody thought that Dak was going to play against the Vikings. Nope. Cooper Rush comes in. 
that turned into a game that the defense had to play to win. And the defense stepped up when they needed to. Okay. Randy Gregory, exceptional. That front seven, exceptional. Kirk Cousins, honestly, like, that's where we go back to the Vikings. Like, they're in kind of purgatory. Like, Kirk Cousins, you know, did what the, like, the Vikings didn't. It was a game of football, like, where the defenses were going to step up. It was just a matter of whose defenses were better. Because Kirk Cousins in a primetime game, you can't trust him if you ask me. Okay. But Cooper Rush, he did enough to win that game. I mean, the Cowboys, the Cowboys probably should not have won that game if you ask me, uh, but they found a way to win, you know, in their final drive. The Cowboys had like what third and third and like seven or something like that. And one play to Zeke. And next thing you know, Cooper to Cooper, uh, Cooper rushed to Amari Cooper, gave them the game winning touchdown. And then the defense just stopped the Vikings one more time. And that was it there. But in a game like that, that's why I say the Cowboys are the best team now compared to last season because Dak Prescott was out for a significant amount of time last season. And Andy Dalton was their backup, who's not a terrible quarterback, okay? He he took the Bengals as far as he could do, go. Not, he pretty much like did what he needed to do for the most part, but it fell on the defense for failing to step up when it need when they needed most. So compare that to this year with that game, the defense stepped up, won them the game. That's why they're atop the NFC East. Obviously they are because the division is crap, but that's why the Dallas Cowboys are not only legitimate playoff contenders in the NFL, but it pains me to fucking say this. They could go all the fucking way to Los Angeles if with a healthy offense and if with how that defense continues. It fucking pains me to say it, but they could find themselves all the way to Los Angeles and uh, Super Bowl 56 if they continue to stride that they're on. Um, I... I do agree with I I agree with you, but I also just think like I I just look at this Buccaneers team, and I just think like they can. When I look at this team, I'm just like they can be anyone, and that is why I just can't agree with you. And then I go and I look at Arizona, and I'm like, this Arizona team could be, like if the Cardinals and Arizona's, if, excuse me, if the Cardinals and the Cowboys faced up say, in the first round of the playoffs, I would say Arizona would win, in my opinion. That's why I don't think the Cowboys can make it all the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, anything can happen in the playoffs, obviously, because it's not like the NFL, obviously, we know is unique. It's compared to the other major sports. It's not best of five or best of seven. One and done, and you win, you move on. You lose, you're having a tea time the, the Monday after the Monday after the week. The play that playoff week is over, so we know how that works there. Um, but the thing is, though, is that's what I, uh, you know, that's what kind of just gets me about um how the Cowboys. That just gets me about like how the NFC is compared to the AFC. You have all these teams with one or two losses, so and it's very hard to tell who are. The true can who are like you know true teams that will contend, and who's kind of just like okay we're here but we don't know how long we will be here. That's why I wanted to switch focus to the NFC because 
Yeah, you can. We can talk about the AFC all day with how mumble jumbled it is, and like, okay, like, oh, okay, it's okay. The Titans are the best team in the AFC. No, it's the Ravens. No, it's the Bills. It's this. It's that. The NFC. We really haven't given the NFC much thought of as of late because of how, you know, it's because like how glad it's, it's been. You really have six teams in that division. You're like, okay, they're gonna make playoffs for sure. Like those are the teams, and you're like, okay, I can see just. Five of those teams, like five out of those six teams, at least just making making it further. And then you have just a seventh, like just like a little bit of a wild card in there, whoever makes it out of, you know, whatever, wherever they come from. And you're like, they're going to lose the first game. Um, I, NFC is just tough where they is. The AFC is just so many more, like you got really good teams coming out of the AFC. Whereas the NFC, don't get me wrong. They have good teams as well, but it's only like really five teams coming out of there. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it is what it is, and like you said, the I could change my mind about who the best team in the, in the NFC is. We can change our minds and who we think playoff contenders are. The league is can the league will continue to change on a week to week basis, okay? And um, uh, you know. The sun will continue to shine and the grass will continue to grow. And, uh, well, the sun won't shine in clouds, but it will still continue to rise in the east and set in the west. And the grass will continue to grow, except in the winter and all that fun stuff. But that, that's kind of like where I stand there. Um, you know, that's kind of like where things are in the league right now. Um, I do want to, you know, we talk like I do want to just talk about like, who you who right now speaking about you know where things stand in the league right now technically we're at the halfway point um and i just want to have your thoughts like rapid fire rapid fire answer who do you think is the mvp in the national football league after week eight josh allen you're really you're you're really gonna think so i i genuinely do think so good disagree with you I don't. I'm not saying. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not going to say you're I, wrong. I, okay, I think you, that, you go into yours first, and I'll explain why I think Josh Allen is. Kyler Murray. You still think so? I still think Kyler Murray. I still think Kyler Murray. Yeah, the Cardinals lost last week, but the thing is, though, is like Kyler without Kyler Murray on that Cardinals team with what he's been doing in terms of his efficiency and his passer rating and, you know, his ability, his overall ability just to play like that athletic quarterback role. Like he can run the ball. He can scramble in the pocket, you know, get that, like maybe, you know, gain some yard and get, and gain some positive run, run plays down, gain some positive yards when running the ball. And he can also throw the ball downfield to a target um, uh, for the most part with a deep arm. And I do believe with his overall efficiency at quarterback and in terms of like where he ranks and everything, he could be a, he is a legitimate MVP candidate. I think he's the MVP halfway. I would say, I guess at the half halfway point of the season. So I still stand by that. Yes. Now I, I do want to say before you go into your spiel, I'm not going to say you're wrong about Allen. I just do think that he is not as like right now, he was a better quarterback last year than he is this year. So that's all I want to say there. But I, give me why you think Allen, other than the fact that you're a biased Bills fan. Okay, so yes, clearly I'm a biased Bills fan, whatever. <laughs> he, he, he say, she say. 
it, it it's whatever, right? Yeah. I mean, you look at Josh Allen. I mean, his completion percentage is over 65% right now. He's almost over 2,000 yards a game throwing. And, I mean, you look at Josh Allen. He's only thrown three interceptions this season. Um, his passer rating is a – I think – I believe it is a – the last time I looked, it was a 103. I believe I looked at the correct website. His passer rating is a 103. I mean, how – how bad can you get with I, I could be completely wrong and I might be fucking that up and I might have looked at a different set, but I'm pretty sure that is what it is. But I mean Josh Allen, you look at what he's doing with this Bills team, who doesn't ha- I believe Josh Allen as well is the second he is second in the team with the rushing yards this season for the I know Devin Singletary is first. I believe he has like 339. I believe Josh Allen is in second with that. I and mean, just with what he is doing with this team and just how he's able to command games and how the this Buffalo Bills team is winning games as dominant as they are. Now, granted, I know they didn't look great in the first half against Miami. I get that. But then look what he comes out in the second half and does. One, he covers the spread for me and you, considering me and you picked them to the Bills to cover by whatever, what was it, 14, something like that? It was like we 14 picked, and a half. We picked them to cover. They're, three, they're tied three and three going into halftime. The Bills end up putting the fucking dicking down on the Dolphins, winning 26 to 11. I mean, yes, granted that. But, I mean, you just look at this team. I mean, look at Josh Allen against the Titans. He threw for 353 yards, threw for three TDs. Uh, that's against a great team. I mean, he has blown every other team out of his play. I mean, going into the Chief, or excuse me, going into the Titans game, uh, minus the Steelers game, we have had over 35 points in every game we've played going into the Titans game where we only scored 34 points. Josh Allen just can do – it literally looks like he can just do anything he wants out there on the field. And it all comes down at the end of the day to like what the defense can do for him as well. Now, granted, I know Kyler Murray lit up, lit up a bunch of teams this year as well. And I know Kyler Murray, what is he throwing for? He's, he's almost thrown for, he's thrown for what? Almost 2,300, I believe. Yes. With the 70, that, yeah. He's like, at a, I, I believe he's almost at like a seven, 73, 74 completion percentage. I don't know off the top of my head. I get that. But then again, it's just like that team, that Arizona team has a great, great, like they got star studded defense. They got DeAndre Hopkins on offense, who I would argue maybe behind Devontae. It's between him and Devontae Adams for who the best receiver in the league is. I know Bills fans are going to be mad at me for saying that because people are like, oh, Stephon Diggs should be the best receiver in the league. But he's not. I mean, Josh Allen works with what he has, and I do think Josh Allen is the MVP. And that's just not even coming as a biased Bills fan. I genuinely believe that as just a fan of football. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I don't see like why you're wrong. I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna like you know these these opinions. I'm not gonna say you're wrong and blah 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 and all that stuff. We clearly have different opinions on who we think is MVP. But both, um, both of the guys we did say though, I think are the two front runners for sure. Oh, definitely. Allen is definitely a front runner, and so is Kyler Murray. Um, 
Aaron Rod- I, 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 you know, it's crazy to say this. I mean, Aaron Rodgers had a poor showing in week one, but he kind of like is, you know, gre- continued to improve week by week still as to show like why he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But I think him not playing next week because of everything that's going on with this COVID situation definitely hurts his chances to repeat his MVP. Um, I thought if it wasn't for this stuff that broke today with him not playing next week, um, came out I definitely would have had him as my contender and I probably would have had the like I said I probably would have had the Packers as the best team in the and in the in the NFC maybe even in the entire NFL but you know one small thing happens and dominoes all fall apart but I just wanted to get your rapid fire response to that there I do want to move over to our news our, our the second week of our new segment welcome back to the weekly wager um, I'm not good at this. I didn't do so well last week. I was very good at this. I would just like to point that out. Yeah, fuck you. But that's why I'm going to let you take over this. This is your segment. This is your brainchild. This is your baby. I just said, hey, you said to me, hey, I want to do, let's do this. But you did say that I'm the leader of this podcast, so you needed my approval. I just wanted to point that out there. But I love this segment. I, I think we did good with it last week. Overall, as a podcast, we did good. Me personally, no. But we'll, but we'll, I'll, t- I'll let you take it away, sir. So what Jeremy basically just said, if you listen to my takes from last week, you would have won some money and you would have won some bets last week. Um, if you listen to Jeremy, you wouldn't have won. That is basically what he was saying. So right now we're going to hop into it Um, for, what are we in, week nine out of the NFL, week eight? We, we are now in week nine of the NFL. Week nine of the damn it. It feels like the NFL just kicked off. All right, but the first game I want us to hop into, we are going to hop into the Cleveland Browns up against the Cincinnati Bengals. And guess what, people? This is the betting podcast, so we are going to give you right now, the spread is minus minus two and a half points to Cincinnati Bengals, and the over-under is 47. And guess what I say to you? Hammer that minus two and a half right now on Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I will... 47 points is a little low. I would, if I were you, I would take the over on this game. And I would also hammer Cincinnati on that two and a half points because this Browns team, clearly me and Jeremy in this podcast have been a little, we've been a little down on them for sure. And I think for all we've been reasons, mean to them. Yes. And for reasons that are very, re- it's very reasonable why we have been mean to them. I do not think this Browns team has what it takes to go up against divisional opponents, in my opinion, just because that division is so strong. So Cincinnati at minus two and a half right now is very generous. Granted, this podcast is coming out on Wednesday, so the line could move. But when we're recording, if you listen to this tonight or when it comes out, if it's still at two and a half, I would hammer that on Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati wins by at least one to two touchdowns in this game. And I will take the over in this game as well, seeing that the over-under is 47. I think you have to hammer both of those every time. Jeremy? So do I just agree with you and say, yeah, do what Jake does, or do I try to be different this week? Because I didn't do so well last week. Well, do you agree agree with who's right, or do you want to have your own take on it? I'm going to agree with you on hammering the minus two and a half for the Bengals, because I do think that the Bengals will definitely win by more than a touchdown. But based on how the de- but based on how the defenses actually play, and just based on how when the NFC, based on how the AFC North like the games that the AFC North play against teams play against each other could be either really defensive, 
like the Browns and the Steelers were last week, or they can be really offensive like when the Bengals played the Ravens. But I'm going to take the under of the 47 here because the Browns defense is a good defense. We shit on the Browns. We have said that they're bad, not a good football team, very inconsistent. They have their problems, but we've praised the Browns defense. So I'm not going to stay away from them altogether. I do think that Burrow and company will look to bounce. Obviously, they're going to look to bounce back against that game against the Jets. And they're going to take it out on the Cleveland Browns. But I think that based off of how good the Browns defense is and how inept their offense is, I believe that it the under will be hit. I think Cincinnati wins this game by more than two by more than a touchdown. So take Bengals minus two and a half. They're a good football team. Don't worry about don't worry about how they are. Take the under though. Solely based on how the Browns solely based on how the Browns could perform. If the defense holds up, under. The offense doesn't do anything, under. So Take the under 47, my opinion, but we agree Bengals minus two and a half. We're going to move on to the next game, sir. Take it away. All right. The next game will be the Las Vegas Raiders against the New York Giants. Last week, me and Jamie were both high on the Giants. We both picked them to cover against the Kansas City Chiefs. I said they were going to win, and I was so disappointed. Yes. Yes, you did. But great teams cover. But great teams do cover. Uh, we picked the Gi- We both picked the Giants to cover last week, which they did. But this week, unfortunately, they're only giving up three points to the Raiders. As much as this hurts me to say, because I have been very critical on the Raiders this year, Jeremy, I am sorry too, because I know the Giants are your favorite team. I am taking the Raiders minus three this week. The over-under is 46 and a half, which I do think this game hits under for sure. But I do think the Raiders do win this game and they cover on that minus three. Um, this Raiders team has just been, like I said, as much as it makes me sad to say, because you guys have heard me be so critical on this Raiders team this year, they have been very, very consistent all year. I mean, they have just, they've been winning plenty of games. And granted, at this point, I might have to say they're a good team. It might hurt me to say, but I think they might be the safe favorite in the AFC West division. So I am taking them in the Raiders minus three for sure, but I'm taking that under of the 46.5 against the Giants. So I'm going to agree with, I'm actually going to agree with you wholeheartedly on this whole game. I'm going to take the Raiders minus three. They definitely win by more than a field goal. Um, I'm taking the under mainly because, well, the Giants the Giants defense isn't terrible. The Giants played a great defensive game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Their offense just failed to show up against the terrible Chiefs defense, which pains me to say it, but that's that and that is what cost them the game as much as it was yeah, and it was penalties too, but penalties don't obvious penalties don't affect betting. So, but the thing is, though, if the Giants offense does not show up against the Raiders, who have a very good defense. Like their defense is in the top half of, is in the top half of the league right now, and it has improved much over the past year compared to last year. So I'm definitely taking the under on this one. Obviously, the Raiders are going to be without offense. Like obviously, the Raiders are going to be without one of their offensive weapons because Hen- because Henry Ruggs decide- Henry Ruggs got cut from the team because he probably will be in jail for a good amount of time. 
um, in such, and I do and in a in a terrible situation that happened where he was driving under the influence and ended up killing a woman, but another and a but, dog and a dog and a dog. So I so obviously the Raiders will be without him. They go they released him. There goes an offensive weapon, but rightfully so. But my thing is, is that the Raiders are going. Yeah, I'm glad that you're going to start. You know, maybe this is some sort of reverse psychology that you're trying to play play at here. But I'm glad that you're finally admitting about the Raiders. They're going to win this game. the The under will be hit though, mainly because we don't know what kind of how the Raiders' offense will be without rugs. Um, also, we don't know how the Giants' offense will be in general because one one week they're good, the next week they're completely inept and they don't know what the fuck offense is. So, Raiders minus three, under 46 and a half. Take that. We're going to move on to the next game. All right. So, the next game for us right now will be the Minnesota Vikings going and visiting the Baltimore Ravens. And right now... It is a oh boy! I think this is just a lock and bet. Um, I do think the Ravens win this game. Coming off of the bye week, I mean, under John Harbaugh, what they're after they're excuse me, not after the bye week. I mean, no, no the they Ravens were on a bye. Okay, okay, that's right. I was thinking, my bad. I was thinking of last week when they weren't on a bye. So this week they were on a bye, and the Ravens under John Harbaugh after a bye, I believe they're like. I don't think they've lost a game after a bye under John Harbaugh. So right now they are they're giving up six points to the to the Minnesota Vikings. They're minus six right now, and the over under is a forty nine and a half. Um, I am going to take the Minnesota Vikings plus six points. Um, I do not think the Vikings win this game. I think the Baltimore Ravens find a way to pull this out. I'm going to assume on a last minute, last second even, Justin Tucker field goal. Um, But I am taking the Minnesota Vikings to cover the spread with a plus six, but I am going to take the over of this game just based on how explosive this Ravens offense can be. And when Kirk Cousins needs – Kirk Cousins is that type of quarterback to me that will keep teams in games when needed, but he can't pull it off. He can't pull out that big drive when needed. So I am thinking the Minnesota covers for sure, um, but I am taking the over of this game as well. Um, I think the Ravens do, though, win by three this game, but for sure hammer Minnesota on the spread of this game. I think plus six is a bit generous for this game. I would have, in my opinion, I would have put this game at like like a plus three um, for the Vikings. But no, I am take the, in my opinion, take the Vikings and take the over. I'm going to take the Vikings covering the spread here, but I'm taking the under on this game. The only reason why I take, I'm taking the under on this game is because both of these defenses on these team for both respective teams have allowed 22.4 and 23.4 points per game, respectfully. So. 22.4 and 23.4 is only 40, 45.8 points per game total. So I'm definitely ha- taking the under in this game. I think it will be more of a defensive game. I do think the Ravens win this game because the Vikings, like we said earlier, 
in the podcast. They're kind of like in purgatory. They're a good enough football team where they could probably sneak into that seventh seed in the, in the NFC. But if they do go to the playoffs, they're not going to do anything in the playoffs. Um, the Ravens, obviously, they're going to look to, uh, you know, just extend their lead in the AFC North, especially with the Browns and Bengals going head-to-head this week. So if so, if the Ravens do that, they'll move to 6-2. and two. They'll, they'll, you know, extend their lead in the division. They'll also, you know, get a firm gra- grip on potentially being the top seed in the AFC, depending on other results. But so you pick the Ravens to cover? No, I'm picking the Vikings to okay, cover the spread. Vikings I'm cover. picking the I'm picking the Vikings to cover the spread of plus six, but I'm picking the un, I'm taking the under here. I think just based on how these two defenses are, it'll be more of a defensive game. Um, Minnesota's Minnesota, yeah, Minnesota can have an exp, an explode. Minnesota, both teams' offenses can be explosive. But the thing is, though, is based on how their defenses have been performing, I'm taking the defense over their offenses any day of the week. Uh, any day of the week, mainly just because I'm a firm believer that, de- like you know, defense can get the job done. So my opinion under, but we both say Vikings cover the spread at plus six. All right, we're gonna move on to the next game. All right, perfect. So uh, almost damn near to wrap up our games. We're gonna talk about this week. We got one more after this, but the next game we got Green Bay. Visiting Cincinnati, um, Kansas I, City. That, fuck, I'm sorry. I I am people. I had a day off today, so I am very out of it. Just so we are all aware. Um, are you drunk? I wish I was. Okay, you're not drunk. Okay, breaking news: he is not drunk. Yeah, Perfect. I, okay. I wish I wish I was drunk. Oh, that'd be a great night. But uh, no. Um. So we got Green Bay visiting uh, Kansas City. Right now, it is at a. Uh, Kansas City is a seven and a half point under, or Kansas City favorite. is a seven and a half point favorite, excuse me. Um, and granted, yes, that is a very reasonable line considering how uh, Aaron Rodgers will be out this week for the Green Bay Packers. But I also think this Kansas City defense is absolutely atrocious. And I still find a way that Green Bay will win this game. Like I, I think I think Green Bay wins this game straight up. So I will take Green Bay at that. They got seven and a half points one. So yes, they will cover the spread. But I also think Green Bay just wins this game. And the over under is set right now at forty eight points. Um, I will take the under for this game. I think Green Bay covers and wins this game. But I will take the under just based on the fact that Jordan Love is your quarterback. And no one knows how Jordan Love is actually going to do. Granted, I know I said it earlier in the podcast, he's had a year and a half to sit under Aaron Rodgers and learn. And he has all these weapons. But it's his first game starting as an NFL quarterback. So who knows how he's actually going to do. But I still do think Green Bay finds a way to win this game just based on the fact how dog shit Kansas City has been this year. And it's I really do think – I know he didn't talk about it, but I think it's the end of a dynasty for that team. And I think they're just on a downslope from here on out, to be honest. So I will take Green Bay and the under on this game. I am going to agree with you. Green Bay straight up, so they'll win by more than seven and a half. They'll cover the spread under 48. My thing is, is it's not a matter. We don't know what, what which version of these teams is going to show up. Let's be completely honest here, because the Green Bay Packers without Aaron Rodgers, we have yet to see. 
Jordan Love actually playing a regular season game, so we don't know what the hell is going to happen. Their defense, though, good defense. They can get the job done. We don't know what the offense is going to look like. Kansas City, though, on the other hand, their defense is not great. It's not ter- Their defense is not great at all. It's actually probably a terrible defense. Um, their offense can't find a way to do anything either. Patrick Mahomes is still doing too much um, in terms of that, even though with what he has is – even though with the weapons he has, they the offense can't still do anything. I mean, they scored only 20 points against a terrible New York Giants team. Okay, they only won by a field goal. Okay, they scored three points against uh, only three points against um, uh, Tennessee. Um, they how many points did they score against Buffalo? Like who? Oh. Kansas City, like 17, 14, 17. A- I, I'm waiting. It wasn't. Let me see. I'm gonna go back and find it right now. Um, it was. What week was that? Week five. Yeah, I'm gonna say like a, a they like I'm gonna say like they scored twenty points. They scored a whopping twenty points, and they scored like what a twenty-four points against Washington. Yeah, twenty-four against Washington. Yeah, I'm taking the under in this game too. Kansas City's offense is com- completely different compared to the last couple of seasons. Their defense is terrible, um, but we don't know what Pat- what the Packers' offense will do. Green Bay straight up, they'll cover the spread under 48 onto the last game. All right, folks. So for our last game, we have the Tennessee Titans going up against the Los Angeles Rams in Los Angeles um, right now. The Rams are a seven and a half point favorite. And I'm torn between this game just because I don't know how Tennessee is going to look without Derrick Henry. So that is why I think the LA Rams are going to cover that seven and a half point spread. Um, I am taking the LA against the spread. The over under right now is set at 53 and a half. I am taking the under of that game just based on the fact that who knows how explosive Tennessee is actually going to be without Derrick Henry. Granted, I know they have A.J. Brown. I know they have Julio Jones. Um, and now they have who, – who knows? Maybe Adrian Peterson revives his career. But right now, taking it as face value, I am taking the Rams to cover that, and I'm taking the under of that game. I'm taking the Rams. They're going to win. They're going to cover the spread minus seven and a half. I'm going to take the over. The Rams' offense is explosive. Okay, um, the Rams' offense is very, is explosive. Matthew Stafford is doing an exceptional job at quarterback. Um, yeah, the Rams' defense is is practically all all world defense right now. But the thing is, though, is I still I still think Tennessee scores enough points where yeah they'll lose, but they will hit the over of fifty three and a half. Okay, because my thing is, is like, yeah, you've got Von Miller added to that defense right now and the thing and everything, but it's gonna take some, it's gonna take a week or two for them to gel, get the chemistry going on defense, if you ask me. Um, so I think the over will hit, especially with the fact that the Rams on average score 30.6 points per game alone and points per game for the Titans. Yes, this was with Derrick Henry. But it's just over 28 points per game. So I do think that maybe, like, it's not going to be a shootout. But because I do think the Rams will cover by seven, that seven and a half point spread. But I think Tennessee does enough on offense where they help contribute to the over under. Um, and the Rams actually could go off as well. 
So Rams minus seven and a half, over 53 and a half. That's my pick there. Um, and with that being said, I know we talked games and everything, but I got to do my moral lock of the week. I got to do the moral lock of the week. My mortal lock of the week. Buffalo minus 14 and a half against Jacksonville. I'm taking that easy money there. Okay. I'm going to tell you right now. Yes, the Bills have. Uh, okay. Yes, the Bills have their O line issues. Yes, the Bill. Yes, the Bills actually did not look too great against the Miami Dolphins. But this Jacksonville Jaguars team is terrible. Okay. Hammer Bills minus 14 and a half. Okay. And honestly, Unless you're a Bills fan, do not watch this game. Go do something else with your Sunday, okay? Go Christmas shopping. Uh, if the weather is nice, go for a walk. Go to the bar. Go do something else. Unless you're a member of Bills Mafia, I really recommend you watch. do something else other than watch this game because it will be a murder, okay? You know I genuinely hate you for saying this just based on the fact that last week that fucking lock you put in where, <laughs> I mean, granted, I, I mean – it, that was kind of one of those games, though, where it, it looked like, to me, I know I agreed with you, but to me it looked like, like all right, this is one of those upset games. But I completely 100% agree with you this week. Jacksonville is an absolute shit show of a football team this year. And the Buffalo Bills, like you said, as much as the online problems they have, I would ju- – would you say they were 14.5-point favorites? 14.5-point oh, favorites. Yeah, I'm – I'm, on think, the road. I'm, I'm thinking the Bills I genuinely might put up 40 points on this team. The Jaguars have given up 29 points per game, and the Bills have scored 32.7 points yeah. per game, even though like they had a ter- quote-unquote terrible showing against Miami last week. So I'm definitely taking Bills minus 14 and a half. The Jaguars are def- – the Bills are definitely going to score 40 points this week. And based on how that defense is against Trevor Lawrence, like Trevor Lawrence and that offense – He's a bust. He's a bust. Yeah, it's over. Okay, honestly – Honestly, you as a Bills fan probably should like fig- find something else to watch in the second half if you ask me. I know you'll probably just like enjoy watching a murder happen on live TV, but um, uh, I really recommend that you watch something else in the second half. But it's, that's my first, my- it's my first Sunday off I've had in a while, so I will be watching this game just based on the fact that I have had to stream the games from my FedEx truck and try to drive while I'm watching the games. Um do not send this to my boss, please, because I will get fired. <laughs> but I will watch this full Bills game. Um, but, no, I agree with you. I think the Bills are absolutely going to go rampant on this Jacksonville team just based on the fact that they have nothing clicking for this team by any means. This team might be – I know the Lions are, what, 0-8? And, and Jacksonville still might be worse than the Lions. Yeah, it was, I think oh, the Lions. I think the Lions, if they played this Jacksonville team, they would probably put up a solid twenty nine points. Yeah, probably, probably because the Lions are that bad. Okay, so if the Bills don't cover minus fourteen and a half, I will apologize to you on Sunday. And you can't if, give any more, if, they, if they don't cover, you gotta use can't give up any more certified locks. Immortal or, people, or, people, or people just got to bet against you at that point. Yeah, people have to bet against me at that point. You can tell me to shut up when we do this segment if you want. I don't care. No, I'll, I'll let you do it. That just people just know to bet against you. Yeah, know to bet against me. But yeah, no, um, uh, I do want to shout out, you know, my fantasy football commissioner, good friend of the pod, 
Um, he did tell me that if I actually did well with my with my picks, that he would bet a thousand, that he would throw a thousand dollars in the parlay this week that we do. Uh, you know what? I'm telling you, do it. I don't care if I'm wrong, if I'm right. You want to throw a thousand dollars away like that? Go right ahead. Go right ahead, Nick. Okay. Um, put 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 his put money on Bills minus fourteen and a half. You probably won't get much out of it, but you know what? See what happens with our parlays. I really want. You don't have to throw a thousand dollars out there because that would be insanity if you ask me. But. See what you can do with a little money in our parlays and I, let us know. I did. I, I would like to tell the story, though. I just did. Uh, I was in Columbus uh, two weekends ago. I didn't tell the story on last week's podcast. But uh, I won $1,800 at the casino. Oh, good for you. I went oh, to the yeah. casino. I went to the casino back in Buffalo, and I won like $100. And I won like $100, $110 on the slots once. No, that mine's, was mine's, a, mine's a weird story, though. I was literally I was taking a piss, right? I, just, I was in the casino in Columbus. <laughs> I was, you know, the boy was taking a leak, and all of a sudden, for no for no random reason, uh, number the number six came into my head. I'm like, I'm just gonna go bet this. So I was. Oh, I, you went. I you went, went to the roulette. I table. went back to the roulette table. I I put fifty on the number six, and I put fifty on black because black is a six or six is a black number. So I put fifty on six, fifty on black. Oh, what did you know? The next roll hit six black. I was sucking. I was. I almost creamed my pants. <laughs> you were happy. Oh I don't blame God. you. I was. I was ecstatic. I'm like that was literally the, the one. The hundred dollars I was going to spend. Then like I was breaking even on. Like I was like whatever. Went to the bathroom. Hit that. I saw that. I thought of the number six. I'm like I'm just gonna do this. Put my last hundred dollars on six. I walked out of that casino a happy man. I don't blame you. I mean. I, I just do like I went like I went to Buffalo Creek like one time like a couple like I don't want to say a couple months ago I actually want to say it was like four months ago because I was out there I was supposed to go to a Blue Jays game and it got rained out so me and my friend ended up going to Buffalo Creek I just ended up doing the slots for about half an hour I mean I I, I won like a hundred and ten dollars just like on one thing because like it's all the penny slots and shit but um. Uh, no, I, roulette is probably the only game I would actually care to play like there because I just like watching the wheel spin, to be honest. And also, like, it's really, you know, you just put, like, okay, you can honestly just put, like, 25 bucks on black. And if it lands on black, you get a good amount. You get a good return there. Right. But, but yeah. Um, I would just like to say, though, I was at the blackjack table, and uh, the dealer for me turned over. She put ace, ace in front of me, right? Me not thinking clearly, ace ace is 22 because you got a, two 11s in front of you. I thought it was, I thought she put two in front of me. Oh boy, I hit. She goes, She goes, You don't want to split those? I said, No, she goes, You sure? I said, Yeah, I'm sure. She goes, Okay, you got 22. I'm not even kidding you. Picked up the money I had on the table that from what I like after I lost whatever money I put on. Picked up the rest of my money, walked right away. I had four guys from Columbus. I didn't know staring at me like I was an idiot. Oh, shit. Yeah, it happens. Blackjack is a weird one. Like I said, blackjack and roulette are the only two that I'd probably consider for table games. But, um, uh, yeah, no. I mean, anybody wants to go to the casino that has a sports book, better part. Take a, take a gander at our parlay. Maybe play some roulette. But, uh, but I do want to say, you know, another successful weekly wager segment there. Um, now let's get into some hockey talk. Um, we, want, we got a couple 
Um, uh, we got a couple. Um, uh, we got a couple topics to talk about. Uh, first off, I want to talk about how Florida. Um, uh, this happened literally after we put out the last podcast episode with the whole situation with the Chicago Blackhawks and how they completely mishandled the whole situation about Brad Aldrich and Kyle Beach. So because of the complete mishandling of that, Joe Quinville, three-time Stanley Cup champion coach, and took Florida to a 7-0 record at the time, has not been with them for a week. He got fired because the Panthers have decided that they decided they don't want to associate with somebody that completely mismanaged a situation like that twenty uh, back in 2010. So kudos to the Panthers. As much as I hate the, you know, Quenville, I thought was a great coach and he was doing a good job there. Kudos to the Panthers from distancing themselves from such a terrible situation from a guy that was, you know, not that did not do what he needed to do in his due diligence in that. Um, Obviously, the whole downfall of that situation is still happening right now. I know the Jets' general manager came under fire. Um, I'm really surprised that... I am not surprised that he is still there, just based on the fact from the report we saw, where he basically knew nothing about it. That's what I was going to go into about Mark Burge. I, I do, do want to get into, though, with... Well, I guess we get into this a little later, so you just keep continuing. No, uh, well, what I was going to say is that, like, I'm surprised, like, the league really hasn't gone after Mark Bergevin in Montreal because Mark Bergevin was, like, on that staff, too. And, Mark, I mean, Mark He wasn't Bergevin, that high on the staff, though. He wasn't that, that high on the staff, though, but the thing is, though, is, like, he, he was high enough where you thought maybe he would have known about what was happening, but at the same time, like he he probably had no clue at all, honestly. Well, There's a well, good the chance owners, the owners of the Blackhawks didn't even know about the situation. They tried to hide it that much under the bus. She was kind of wonder like how many people actually knew about it. Definitely the players had. I, I well, I'm convinced I I that that is my issue I wanted to get into with you is where all these people are coming at the players like why didn't they do anything about it? So if you know anything about hockey, hockey culture is toxic. Yeah. No, not that. But Kyle Beach was a black ace at the time. And do you know how much the black aces actually see the players on the, on the actual hockey team coming into playoff time? They don't, they don't even see the players at all. They're in completely separate rock locker rooms from the starting roster they are don't even go to the team dinners with them. They're completely separate from them. They practice after those players come off the ice. So people coming at like the Jonathan Tazes and the like the Patrick Kane saying, "Why didn't you guys do anything?" They knew nothing about this until the next off season. That is my issue with people coming at those players. It's unfortunately like Kyle Beach. Yes, he was drafted. He he. Don't get me wrong. He had probably a great career ahead of him if this didn't happen because this is a completely shitty situation that I hope happens to no one else ever just based on the fact that he spoke up and I commend him so much for speaking up on it. But the players that were actually like playing for the Blacks at the time rather than being a Black ace knew nothing about it because the management of the team threw it under the bus and didn't tell any of the players and they didn't know till the next offseason 
and the players could have no way of hearing about it just never being with the Black Aces because the Black Aces have no communication with the actual players on the team. So my thing, like like I said, Quenville definitely knew something, which is why the Florida Panthers fired. Which is why the Florida Panthers fired him. Yeah. Stan Bowman definitely knew something. That's why he's out of a job as well as general manager of the Blackhawks and also general manager of USA Hockey uh, as well. So both of them will never coach or manage in hockey ever again. Um, not even in like the not even in like the scummiest of scum leagues ever because of how they mishandled the situation. Um, the players, I'm not calling out the players. I'm not going to call out the players because we don't know what they knew. I, I, I really don't. But my thing is, is that the situation like was so completely mishandled that the Blackhawks organization at the time definitely like they fucked up. We know they fucked up. But my thing is that there are a lot of parties involved that fucked up. Okay. Going not just going back 10 11 years ago, uh, like n- even now, in like when everything came to light over the summer in the off season, when Kyle Beach came out, comm- I which I commend him for actually coming out and saying he was the John Doe. He has saved, I- I'm convinced he will probably help a lot of people out coming out and saying that because people don't understand going through that, going through that type of situation in your life just to come out and speak about it on a public stage is going to help so many people out in life. Exactly. I, I hated the fact that he blamed himself for the high schooler that was sexually assaulted as well. I hate that he's blaming himself for that because he does not have him chop the flame at all because he has brought that up to where it needed to go. And it's on the people above him that didn't do anything about it. And that's exactly. like the physical, what was it? The physical fitness coach that came out and actually brought the, he so he had told the physical fitness coach about it and he brought it to the light of the actual upper management and they did nothing about it. They are the ones that have to feel bad about it. Kyle Beach, I know he'll probably never hear this podcast, but he has nothing bad to feel about. And like it really like made me sad seeing that interview of him blaming himself for it when it has nothing to do with him. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly with you. He has, it has nothing, yeah. He he should not like. I don't. I don't know. I don't want to say the wrong thing here, but Kyle Beach, I commend you for coming out as John Doe. Kyle Beach, literally, like, is he's going to save a lot of people in terms of making sure that some, making sure that people are not afraid to speak up about traumas that they have suffered at the hands of fucking predators like Brad Aldrich, because. This is a very unfortunate situation that happened. Um, it's a sick situation that happened in terms of just the pure disgustingness of it. And can I can I, bar- jump, can I jump in here real fast? Just real, just real fast. Okay. People that coming at Kyle, like I, I, I haven't really seen. It. I've seen there's a couple people coming at Kyle Beach saying, "Why didn't you like? Why didn't you speak up sooner or just bring it to like the media and stuff?" If you're not gonna speak up right away, I exactly. Bet. You, especially since. Brett Aldridge was saying, like, I'm going to ruin your career when the kid j- was just drafted 11th overall and he has worked all his life to be an NHL player. He is going to be so scared, especially if you're in that situation, just trying to make a name for yourself on that team. Granted, not even the league, just on that team because you were drafted 11th overall. You want to be an NHL player one day? 
you're you're, you're going to be scared to speak up because you guess what you're unfortunately this is how shitty for me to say but you're not that high on the totem pole where you're scared to speak up because if you do then guess what no team's going to want to take you because guess what just like taylor hall said in his interview we got to get rid of all the uh what do you he call it the old men's club he said it's the old men's club in the league and no other team would take him if he would have spoken up like that about it so it's on the owners i would even say the, i would say it's on the managers it's on the it's league. On the, it's, it's, on the from the top it's on the managers. It's on all of them to get this, like all the higher ups in the league to get this taken care of. Because even Kyle Beach even went to the Players Association and they did nothing about it. They literally said, they said, oh, I don't have time to focus on this because we're in the midst of a Stanley Cup playoff run. Granted, yes, the Blackhawks did it with the Stanley Cup. That team was a great team. I take nothing against that team. But now there is a stain on them winning that Stanley Cup because of what happened. There's a stain on it, and people are going to look back like years and years from now saying, saying they, yes, they won the Stanley Cup, but look what happened with that team. Exactly. I agree with you wholeheartedly there. And like I said, you know, it's just a complete fuck up from top to bottom. I mean, the league didn't do any, the, the Blackhawks covered it up as much, they tried to cover up as much as they could. You know, they threw it un, they threw it under the bus, in front of the bus, behind the bus, on top of the bus, underneath like the cush, couch cushions, underneath the couch. They tried to dig it six feet deep and, and it still came back to light. Okay. The, own, the owners and management of the Blackhawks obviously changed over the years. So that's like why the league called into question Quinville while he's in Florida, the Jets GM. I'm still surprised they didn't go after Mark Bergevin because they probably they probably could have and tried to end questioned him. But the league in its response to this whole situation has been terrible, if you ask me. And I do just want to, you know, bring to light about, you know, the league's leadership over the past, like under Batman and Daly. Um, um, it's been terrible, I, I believe. And that this situation is probably the latest of just outright bad leadership that Batman has provided to, in terms of being a commissioner of a major league in well, North American why, sports. That's why a bunch of owners want him out now. Exactly. A bunch of owners want him out now because the Kyle Beach situation, you know, is pretty much just like the cherry on top of the icing on top of the cake at this point. But, you know, you also have the fact that, like, the league popularity has declined because Batman does nothing to grow the league. Um, he had the, la the last Olympics. He didn't send the players over there in terms of trying to grow the game of hockey on an international level um, because he was too selfish. He didn't want to pause the season for two weeks. There's the whole, he doesn't have a good relationship with retired players. He doesn't look out for retired players medically or like personally um, because there's a lot of issues with CTE, obviously, because of the hits that players have sustained over the year, over the, over their careers, um, you know, and let's just not forget that in his tenure, there were three lock, there were three lockouts and a whole canceled season in 2004, 2005. He has not been a great commissioner. He really needs to go. In my opinion, the owner, it's about time. The owners speak up, call me, call like at the next owner's meeting that the league that they have, which will happen in the off season. 
And I really believe that this should be either Gary Bettman's last season as commissioner, or if they have the power to remove him as commissioner now during the season, they should do it. He's got to go. Oh, 100%. I mean, you just this how this whole situation was mishandled being, <clears throat> excuse me, how many people knew about this and people didn't do anything about it. It just makes you question how much other, uh, other stuff could have been just thrown under the rug because no one cared about it. Exactly. And then overall with Batman's leadership on a plethora of other topics too, that's why the league is like, that's why the national hockey league is not like popular right now because it's, it's because of situations like this that came to light years later. It's because of, you know, just a toxic culture that people think of hockey in terms of like, you know, what fan, what non-hockey fans think of the sport. And then also just failure to grow the game at you at, at levels like that we should be growing the game that the game should be grown at. And also in terms of like, you know, uh, just relationships with players of the past, making sure that everything is okay with them, you know, just basic leadership skills. He doesn't even know how to do that. That's like, that's why wherever Bettman goes or wherever Bill Daly goes, they get the fuck boot out of, okay. Bettman presents the Stanley cup after, after, uh, after the Stanley Cup Finals conclude, and he gets booed every single time because nobody likes him. Okay, he. I remember Bet. Um, I remember Bettman coming to a to to a Sabres game actually once. Um, it wasn't it wasn't last season. It was two seasons ago. Um, uh, before before COVID, before all this COVID stuff happened and the bubble playoffs happened. It was when the Sabres took on the Columbus Blue Jackets. And that was their 2000s theme night that they had, that they had, they were honoring the teams of the two thousands. And they even had Tom Golisano there to like honor, to honor his ownership under uh, honor, his ownership during that time frame. And Bettman was in attendance when they, when Bettman came out onto the ice, I all, everybody boo. We all booed like hell at that man because nobody likes him. It, it, it's just crazy that a man who runs quite possibly the obviously the biggest hockey league in the world and quite possibly if taken to new heights could be one of the most popular leagues in North American sports and all of sports in general around the world. He has done such a terrible job with everything. It is mind boggling as to how this was allowed to happen. And how he has not been fired yet, if you ask me. I I literally cannot disagree with anything you just said. I mean, everything you just said, in my opinion, is spot on. I think that's how everyone, right, like who's an NHL fan right now, feels. That is, I, I think most NHL fans just feel the same way you are saying it right now. And it's just a shame that nothing has been done about it yet. I hopefully it will, but I mean. I can't even add anything on it because you literally hit the nail on the head with that. And it's just, I think most most NHL fans who are like me and you who actually follow it will completely agree with what you just said. If there's, you, you, hit, you, you hit basically most of the points why he should be out. Yeah, I mean, I really, 
I don't know what else to say, to be honest, about Batman, other than the fact that he needs to go. The whole Kyle Beach situation, the whole the fact that he, the, the three lockouts and one canceled season, failing to market and grow the game, failure to protect uh, retired players from, uh, uh, you know, just from developing CTE and also failing to acknowledge that that's a thing, failing to, you know, and then there's the whole thing with all the drug abuse that was happening in the league too, failure to acknowledge that. Um, and put a stop and you know prevent and prevent any incidents from happening regarding that too um he like he is terrible he's got to go like he's the exact uh, and, and i'm not saying uh, all these other commissioners are saints because goodell has not done a great job manfred is ruining baseball and silver is just a puppet if you ask me but Batman <laughs> is the worst out of the four and that's why i think he really has to go um and it really pain and I, like I said, I don't know if the owners can call a meeting and fire him halfway through the season. Um, uh, but then you would have Bill Daly as commissioner, who's just a, a Batman puppet. Or during the owners' meetings next season, in the off season, you find a way to get rid of them both and get new blood into uh, the leadership at NHL headquarters. The only thing that sucks is, is that who the hell are you going to put in? Nobody knows. Yeah, They're, that's a problem. It's like. Like, like, I'm going to go back to, like, Taylor Hall said, it's the old man's club. Exactly. Why, why do you think all these head coaches just keep being recycled through and through after they're fired? They go to a new team. Why do you think that is? No one else wants any new leadership in roles where they know there's not going to be any controversy or no one's speaking up against anything because no one – I know all these owners and all these, like, like GMs who are coming out about the Kyle B situation saying, oh, I would have spoken, I would have done something. No, you wouldn't have. All you guys are the same. As much as it sucks to say, if you guys were in the spot that Blackhawks were, all you guys would have done the exact same thing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But enough about that. I, 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 I don't want to say enough about that because you know what? The conversations about Kyle Beach will continue. The conversations about Batman's terrible leadership will continue okay this stuff will not be pushed under the rug anymore okay it won't be it's going to be talked about it's going to be discussed but for this purpose here we do have to move on to other topics on the podcast i do have another couple other hockey pod copy hockey topics to discuss um one of them involving trade a potential trade with our beloved Buffalo Sabres and another topic involving their rivals, the Toronto Maple Leafs. But let's get into the, let, let's briefly get into the Eichel trade that could potentially happen with the Calgary Flames. I will let you take this away. All right. So basically right now, the talk going around the league, I know we've been around these talks plenty and plenty of times where we see the, where we see trade potential trades happening but this one actually seems like it has some fucking rubble on the tires, and this one seems like it could go forward. And if I was Kevin Adams, I'm accepting this trade in my sleep because it's a no-brainer. Right now, we're looking at the Buffalo Sabres potentially sending Jack Eichel to the Calgary Flames for Matthew Tachuk, a former first-round pick, an upcoming first-round pick from the from the Calgary Flames, and uh, and two prospects. I mean, who says no to that? I mean, I'm assuming – I'm, I'm hoping and assuming that the, the former first-round pick is Shane Monahan. 
but I could be completely wrong, but I would love Shane Monahan on this team. But I mean, then you get, then you get an actual first round pick coming up, whether it be next year, two years from now and two prospects and Matthew, the truck, who in my opinion has been Calgary Flames best player for the last two seasons right now. I don't say no to that trade at all. No, I mean, I don't say no to that trade at all either. I mean, honestly, like I'm completely, you know, a lot of things have been processing in my mind um, and I don't want to go too much into it, but you know, Calgary, I, I, I'm, I'm completely shocked that Calgary was even in discussions for with Eichel, to be honest. I mean, all the talk was Vegas, Vegas, Vegas. He's going to go to Vegas. But obviously, obviously, like, you know, yesterday we had heard that the trade was on the one-yard line. But the thing is, though, it turned out that the play at the one-yard line turned out to be an interception at the goal line. And the game is over. So who knows what's going to happen there. Maybe the trade, maybe this offer was potentially leaked out. So maybe Vegas could do something. I don't know there, but if I'm Kevin Adams, I take this trade and I fucking run with it. Matthew Tuchuk is younger than Tage Thompson. He has a great future. He has a great career in the National Hockey League ahead of him. Okay, Jack Eichel will go to a team that is not terrible, but the thing is, though, is that he will you know, be able to be free of the situation that he is, that he is currently in, even though nobody knows where the hell he is right now. Um, He's in Boston. Probably in Boston, probably. But the thing is, though, is like, take this trade, run with it. We're going to commit robbery if this fucking happens. I I don't know what... Um, I think this is the best we will get for him. This is this the is, best we could get for him. Exactly. I agree with you wholeheartedly there because Vegas, because... Vegas, what I don't know what Vegas was offering. I don't know what they could have offered. They weren't giving up paying Krebs. I know that, and paying Krebs was the only person I would want from that team. Yeah, they weren't going to give him up. From they weren't going to give him up. So that's why Buffalo probably is walking away from Vegas, which is why the interception at the at the goal line happened. Um, uh, but no, take this trade, run with it, Matthew to Chuck. Give me Matthew to Chuck right now. I do not give a fuck. Okay. This is like every acquisition and free agency that comes alive. And I see that the Sabres are like, you know, trying to figure out what to do. And it's like, no, give it to me now. Now. Yeah, I, I, I don't see any Sabres fans saying no to this. Uh, if you if you're a Sabres fan, and you say no to this trade, which I'm very upset that it has not broken that it has happened yet while we're recording. But uh, if you say no to this trade, you're an idiot, or you don't know hockey, or both, or you're just not a Sabres fan whatsoever. But there, are, but take it, run Maybe with your Flames fan. That's the only people I can see saying no to this trade. Well, I can see Leafs fans saying no to this trade too, and Bruins fans, well, and Leafs... Suns fans, and Lightning fans. <laughs> I mean. And Leafs fans are just miserable life right now. So do you want to hop in? Leafs fans are fucking do you, do you, stupid. Do you want to hop into the Leafs right now since I know they're our next topic? Yeah, let's hop right into the Leafs. All right, All right Leafs the, fans. The Toronto Maple Leafs. Who are you going to sign next year? Oh, Dubas is going to have to work his fucking considering magic. Considering what? Baby. Do they have what? They have seventy-six million dollars in on six players. Who are you going to sign next year? Explain that to me. The, the, the Toronto. I love, I love the Morgan Riley contract. Do not get me wrong. He has a great, nope. great, he has a great it's it's a great contract. Yep. It, I, he's probably one of the backbones of your team. I think any team would have given him that contract. And honestly, if Morgan Riley would have held out, he probably could have signed another team for at least 8.5 to 9 million, in my opinion, considering, considering seeing what we just got McAvoy got. 
I think Morgan Riley is just as good as him. Granted, he is a couple years older than McAvoy. But holy fuck, if he would have held out, he could have got so much more. And he signs to your team. But now guess what? This team, who are you going to sign next year? You're going to sign fucking the two Lonely House Sports Podcast guys to be your second line defender? <laughs> yeah, suit up, buddy. We're going to the fucking Leafs. We're going to the shitty ass Leafs. I'm not even kidding you. Like, who are they going to sign next year? I mean, no, look, I have no idea. I you look at it. No I mean, you look at them. You're like, how, are, how? How does this team going to have money with how the NHL cap is set up right now? You're going to have to put everyone on Sabres contract right now. You're going to sign 20 set. You're going to, I'm not even kidding. You're probably going to sign 15 guys to 700, 750,000 a year. You're going to look at the fucking Buffalo Sabres. I mean, what are you doing? I, mean, what do you do? I, I get, I get you want to keep your core together, but guess what? Now your core is your team and you got fucking scrubs coming up from nowhere. You want to be a fucking Stanley cup playoff contender. And guess what? You haven't even got out of the – you haven't even got out of the first round in the last what fucking – They haven't won a first-round playoff series since 2004. The right. Buffalo Sabres have won a first-round playoff series more recently than them. And they haven't to, made the playoffs in a decade. My hot take is they're going to have to trade Marners or Matthews. Marners or Matthews is out. Marner or Matthews. I guarantee, you, I guarantee you if the Maple Leafs traded Matthews, they're the stupidest sports team ever because the kid is what only 24? He's already got 200 goals to his yeah, name. You're a stupid trade, so you're gonna have to trade Marner, or yeah, you're gonna have to trade Marner, and no one's gonna want to pick up that contract. I'm sorry nope, to no. say it, but without Marner's playing, I don't know, he's gonna want to pick up that contract. So unfortunately, you might be having to look at trading one of your best players away, Maple Leafs fans. And guess what? Fuck you guys. Fuck the Maple Leafs. Your organization's a joke. You're not going to win a Stanley Cup for the next 15 years. I guarantee it. Yeah, because I, I you know, I'm laughing at the whole. This situation. was their best year to do it. This was, this was their best year to do it. And guess what? They can't do it. They have no depth. They, they, they literally have, have no depth. Exactly. So the top six, those six guys alone. Riley, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and the other contracts that they have, the Tavares contract, and I forget, there's one more. But they make up 58.9% of the of the cap space for the Maple Leafs. And then the rest is just their depth. So, yeah, they're going to have to – Dubas is going to have to work his fucking work, whatever magic he has left there um, uh, in terms of trying to work around the cap because those contracts cannot be restructured. He's not going to restructure those contracts. They're going to have to get rid of some guys. They're going to have to sign people to like one year, $750,000 contracts. Who knows? Maybe they'll try and get Justin Bieber to play for free with Austin Matthews. Um, I mean, I, I really don't know what the Leafs are going to do. It's, it's mind boggling. This is almost as bad as Ottawa and their contract situations uh, years ago. Um, with with how terrible that that whole debacle was there, which is why the Sens like literally like kind of shit the bed as of late. Uh, well, not as of late, but like after that whole debacle happened with their contracts. Um, but and the thing is though is like it, it's just crazy like to have like six guys ca- take up almost sixty percent of your entire cap space. They only have like six point million dollars like left in the cap like for cap room to like actually like do anything in the off season. So they're going to Dubas is going to have to like really figure out like what to do. I'm sure he's probably like sitting, like he's probably, he's gotta be working over like long nights and long days trying to figure out like what to do with their contracts. Like once the season's over, 
because it's just insane. And the thing is, though, is like, where if the Leafs like don't actually make noise in the playoffs, like because they should make the playoffs with who they have on their team. But if they don't make any noise, if they get out in the first round again, it would not surprise me if Mitch Marner got traded. Or Austin Matthews, Dubois which would be dumb move there. Dubas would have to be fired. Kyle Dubas would have to be fired because of what he's done, doing. And I would have to fire Sheldon Keefe, too, because, well, actually, no, I would fire Sheldon Keefe based on how the team performs. I would have to do a whole organizational reach, uh, a whole organizational change from Dubas to Hockey Ops to, to Sheldon Keefe and maybe, even, and maybe even trade a player or two because of how terrible that situation up in Toronto is. It's just completely insane to think to think about that. So maybe if Arizona were smart, maybe they would try to land future Arizona Coyote Austin Matthews before they eventually get kicked out of Arizona. That would be the only thing. Keeping them in Arizona, because holy fuck. I mean, who's going to want all fucking I'm, – I'm sorry, but I mean – Who's going to want that contract? you know who can afford a contract like that? Buffalo can they can, but I mean, uh, look at everyone Buffalo signed, but um, no, um, so want to want to get away from the Leafs because I mean we're just really beating a dead horse because this team we are like, being a dead horse. It's terrible. Show. All right, people, um, you're, you guys ready for? Uh, I'm hopping on an official bandwagon. It's not the Sabres wagon. It's not either. the Sabres bandwagon either. The Edmonton Oilers are winning the Stanley Cup, and if the if they don't make the Stanley Cup, I swear to God, right now on this podcast, I will get a tattoo of whatever team wins the Stanley Cup on whatever people of the podcast who listen to it. You tweet it, the Lonely House Sports Podcast. Tweet where you want my tattoo besides my face, anywhere in my face or neck. I will get a tattoo of whatever team wins the Stanley Cup on my on my body somewhere. I want you. If to the get Oilers tattoo. don't, if the Oilers don't, because the Oilers are a wagon right now. Connor McDavid is the best hockey player in history he's better than Gretzky I'm sorry for you Canadian fans but you Canadian fans are also probably happy considering he comes from Canada but Connor McDavid is unreal Connor McDavid is an absolute unit he could I'm he's gonna put up a 200 point season before the end of his career I mean the kid just flies around the ice every single night and he is an absolute tear guess what people I'm already ordering a <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm, I ordered an Oilers meet David jersey already, so don't you worry. I will be rocking that. Um, the Lonely Hunch Sports Podcast will tweet out a picture of that once I get it because I am on the wagon 100%. And if you're not with me, you're liars because they're the best team in the NHL right now. Granted, I know the Hurricanes are so undefeated, but guess what? This Oilers team is scary. I'm not I'm not riding that team. I'm going to stick with my Sabres right now on our wagon. Uh, I'm not going to go anywhere in terms of a wagon of who's going to win the cup right now. Um, but, yeah, we will tweet out a picture when Jake gets that jersey in the mail. Um, we can definitely tweet out a picture of that. So that will happen there. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of the wildest, lo- the craziest logo that I can think of that you get tattooed. I'm trying to think of it right now. And honestly, you know, you know, it would be hilarious. If the Boston Bruins win the Stanley Cup, you would have to get a fucking Boston Bruins logo tatted on you. And I wanted fucking ta- and I wanted tatted visibly, visibly tatted. I would cry, but I'm that confident the Oilers winning the cup this year. <laughs> I would, you would cry. I, I will, I will do it, but I am that confident. Okay, fair enough. I'll keep that in mind. We'll keep that in noted. This is recorded, so our listeners will remember that. 
But Jake is on the Oilers bandwagon. He thinks they're winning the cup. If if they don't win the cup, he'll get the Stanley Cup champions logo tatted. Uh, the logo of the team that wins the Stanley Cup tatted anywhere else. I kind of. I'm I, that I, confident. I'm that confident the Oilers are winning the cup because I will get. Well, you you just get another tattoo regardless, so it's all good. <laughs> Maybe if the Sabers somehow win the cup, you'll have your favorite team there. But I do want to move on to one more topic before we conclude the podcast. This is the first time we are going to actually talk college sports on the pod. The college football playoff rankings were announced for the first time this college football season. And I'm going to tell you right now, they are a fucking mutiny. They are fucking pitiful. They are a disgrace. Okay. I cannot understand why the committee is so biased. Don't tell me you want a Cincinnati ranked higher. Cincinnati should have been ranked higher. They should have or they shouldn't have? They should have been ranked higher. How, who did they beat? Who did they beat? Oh, my God. You're a top oh, they, five. They, barely you're... Beat, they fucking barely beat Army in what, T- Tulsa? They barely beat them. How do you want them ranked higher? Are you Oklahoma kidding me? could be. Okay, Alabama lost to Texas A&M in a game they were losing. Okay, I understand that that the number two Okay, team... if Alabama goes and plays, if Alabama goes and plays Navy or Tulsa, they beat them by 90, so I don't want to hear any of this. My only it's not even the about rankings. Cincinnati. Why I know, but, but that's my only problem. People bitching about Cincinnati being six. Cincinnati does deserve to be there. They don't have a yeah, couple but why, of schedule. Ohio State doesn't there. deserve to be ranked ahead of them. They lost the game. They have an impressive well, They have an impressive they play tougher schedule. Cincinnati plays no one. I'm sorry, Cincinnati plays no one. At least Ohio State plays a tough fucking Okay, so, let's, so Cincinnati plays no one. Wake Forest plays in the ACC. They're nine and they're they're nine and oh, they're eight and oh right now. Nine and oh right now. They're ranked ninth. You mean to tell me that Wake Forest, who plays in Clemson's conference? Yes. Okay. They're nine and oh and undefeated in the ACC right now. Undefeated overall, they're only ranked ninth. You mean you put Clemson's logo on Wake Forest? Like literally, just brand them with Clemson's logo. They're ranked higher than they're ranked higher than they are. Okay, the committee literally beats off the same teams over and over again, and it pisses me off. Alabama, Alabama should not be number two. Ohio State has not impressed me. Michigan State belongs there because they're undefeated and they came back and they beat Michigan. They played a tough schedule. I agree there. Okay, but. The group of five and the mid-majors do not get enough respect, in my opinion, which is what has caused so much debate as whether or not the playoffs should be expanded. Okay, you mean to tell me that team? You mean to tell me that Michigan deserves to be not? Yeah, Michigan deserves. Michigan at seven is a joke. Michigan at seven is a joke. Okay, Michigan at seven is a joke. I agree. I agree with the top four. Oklahoma does not belong at eight. I do think that Oklahoma is overrated. But you know what? Oklahoma could probably be seven or six. I don't think Ohio State belongs in there. Alabama should not be number two. I really think Cincinnati got disrespected, but it is only the first rankings. I am taking in consideration that the one-loss teams control their own destiny and need to win out. If Alabama loses again, they are done for. If Ohio State loses again, they are done for. If if Cincinnati loses one game, they probably are done for because they're not a power five team. They're a group of five team. Okay, so right now I do want chaos to happen because of how because of how pitiful these rankings are, in my opinion. Um, The only thing is, though, is I can't see Ohio State losing again the rest of the season. 
Alabama potentially can lose along the way um, in the regular season. They could also lose to Georgia if they do meet up with Georgia in the SEC championship game. Michigan State, that's a toss-up there. I don't know if they can lose along the way. They are undefeated. Oklahoma, another toss-up. Overrated, if you ask me. Got a quarterback controversy. We don't know what will happen there. Um, Michigan, I always mark down the Michigan's going to lose to Ohio State, so that will give them two losses, and then they'll be their season is shot. Well, their season's shot already because of that collapse against Michigan State. I can't believe Notre Dame's number 10. I'm a Notre Dame fan. I'm really surprised that they're number 10. Their only bad loss, their only loss is to Cincinnati, where they actually played bad against Cincinnati at home. So the thing is, though, for Cincinnati to actually have a chance of making the top four, they need to win out, and they need to be huge Notre Dame fans. Like, they really need Notre Dame to win out the rest of their season for Cincinnati to actually have a shot. Because if Notre Dame ha- goes runs the ta- wins out the rest of the season, for that to be their only loss would be a good thing for Cincinnati's resume there. Okay, I it just bothers me how like the SEC like the SEC and the Big Ten like those two conferences like kind of get beat off a little bit. Um, another one that really because they're not annoyed, good conferences. Well, what really bothers or excuse me, me excuse me. What really bothers me, though, the, excuse not, me, I, I, I wear that the, the best conferences. Yeah, that is what why really they get bothers beat me, off. though, is why is Oregon number fucking? Why is Oregon in there? Yeah, Cincinnati plays. Does Cincinnati plays an easy? Doesn't play Cincinnati like you know? Because Cincinnati, who has Cincinnati beat? Oregon lost to Stanford. Okay, but who has Cincinnati beat? Notre Dame, who is number ten in the country now. Yes, they beat exactly. Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Dame, Notre Dame I, was, I'm a Notre Dame fan. Notre Dame sucks. I'm They're sorry. They're in the country right yes. now. But Oregon you, lost you, to Stanford. You know, you know exactly what I'm saying, so don't even twist my words here because you know where I'm coming from right now. They're not Notre, a great – they're not no, – they, yeah, I know what you're saying. They're not a great – if Cincinnati – say if Cincinnati could go – clearly don't play them, but if Cincinnati could beat a fucking Oregon or a Michigan State or a Bama, they're, they would be out there. But guess what? They barely beat Navy. They barely beat Tulsa. That's why you get in the rankings there. Guess what, though? It doesn't fucking matter because Georgia might be the best college They are the best team, team in the They're land. the best team. No, not even saying in the land. In, in college football history, this team is unreal. This team walks on the field and just knows you're going to dominate teams. I don't care. They're winning. They're winning the national championship this year. They will win the national championship this year. It just uh, it, Oregon lost to Stanford. Oregon lost to Stanford. That Stanford team is bad. So that's where it bothers me why Oregon is even in the top six. Okay? Yeah, Oregon has played very good football, but they still lost to a very bad Stanford team. And what really irks me is, like, the committee, like, oh, okay, we look at strength of schedule, we look at good wins, we look at bad losses. Yeah, Cincinnati may not have played the competitive, like, competitive teams like the Power Five has, obviously, other than playing Notre Dame, but they're not Power Five. They're techni- they are an independent, okay? Yes, we understand that. But that's still, like, ugh, it, it irks me. It really does irk me a little bit. And there are a lot of people, like, mad at the committee, not just because of Cincinnati, but they're just mad at how the top ten are overall. Not not the top six, the top ten. They really don't think Michigan should be seven. People don't think Oklahoma should be eight. People don't think Oregon should be in the top six at all. Um, 
A lot of people like there. People are divided on Bama. I don't think Bama should be in the top four. I don't think they should be two though. Um, so, but the thing is though, this is only the first week of the rankings. We'll see what happens like during the college football week as it goes uh, as the weekend comes comes and goes. We'll see what the new rankings look like for week two in the rankings on Tuesday. Um, I know we'll talk. We'll, we'll, this will be a weekly segment as we go on through the college football season up until the playoff happens in December. I'm sorry, late December, early January. So we will talk about that for the next few weeks to come. Um, but that's all I've got there. Do you have any other final thoughts that we um, uh, no to go I mean, in? I, no, I just no. I, I completely agree with the rankings right now. To be honest. Um, if my, the only thing clearly I've said this, the only thing I like people busy about Cincinnati where they are is Cincinnati has any quality wins. And I agree with them being at six. That's my, we'll, that's my last thing there. That's my last thing. I will disagree with that there, but you know, two, two, two or Bama, Oregon and Ohio state control their own destiny. They can't lose another game. If they lose another game in the run during the run in towards the end of the season, they're done for. So we'll see what happens there. Hey, who knows? Even though, who knows? Maybe enough chaos will happen where Notre Dame will find their way into a t- into the top six. You, We don't know how this season will go. But un, but that's that there. We'll talk more next week as, as when, the, the, when the next rankings come out there. But I have no final thoughts on anything this week. I've gotten everything off my chest actually for once. Um, do you have anything that you want to say in terms of final thoughts? Um, no, just uh, just Liverpool qualified for the round of 16 in the Champions League, considering we are 4-0 in our knockout stages. So up the Reds, baby. And uh, that's the last thing I have to say. That's all you have to say? Oh, I do have one more thing to say, actually. Do you want to know what it is? You got to take a guess? I have no idea. Fuck you, Paiska. We love you. Oh yeah, fuck Paiska. <laughs> you, we almost, we didn't forget. We, we didn't forget. Paiska. I did, I did almost forget. But Paiska, weekly shout out. Fuck you when you come around the pod, just so we can talk shit on you for liking the Red Sox and then just liking every other hockey or football team in the world. Pretty much. Next thing you know, he's gonna start saying Tranmere Rovers are the best team in <laughs> team in football. We should convince him that Tranmere Rovers are the best team in football. He'd believe us. <laughs> uh, Paiska, we love you. We hope you're doing well. I know we talked a little about a bit, a bit about the Von Miller trade there. Um, I know we talked a little bit about other things that you wish the Bills and Ra- Bills would do, and even maybe the Rams. I don't know why you're rooting for the Rams. It's weird, if you ask me. But this is the longest podcast we have recorded, so. I do want to conclude it finally. That, With that being said, this will conclude another episode of the Lonely, Lonely Heart Sports Podcast. You can listen to us on Apple, po- Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to us, subscribe to us, download the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at LHS Podcast 2021. The Twitter account is, is active for the most part. We've been sharing some news as, we, as the days go on. We've, shared, we've been sharing some highlights that have been happening in the NFL, the NHL, Major League Baseball. Um, uh, we still don't talk basketball or share highlights of basketball. We will is- never talk about basketball because I will lie to you with everything I say. 
Um, I know nothing about basketball. So if you hear me, I ever talk about a basketball. Just know I'm lying and don't trust anything I'm saying. Okay, fair enough. I one college basketball season gets under. I, I like that. I like that. We'll do that. Fair enough. Um, we'll get into the NBA when when it gets towards the playoffs. So you'll hear from us in about maybe April with that. So <laughs> that's fine there. But yes, LH at LHS Podcast 2021 on Twitter. Twitter account very active, um, especially when I sh- when we share soccer highlights. A lot of people just randomly find them, and I know one of the tweets blew up to have ov- almost a thousand likes, which is no, not a thousand likes. It was like almost five hundred likes, which is practically insane. I know it got retweeted a few a couple hundred times too, which was wild. But um, uh, I guess that's what happens when we tweet about Cristiano Ronaldo. But again, that concludes the podcast, longest podcast we've ever had. Until until the next episode, keep on keeping on, everybody.